When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's hump day. It's the day before turkey day. We got DJ Wax Weasel. We got DJ CTE in the house in this bitch. Hi, everyone. It's Morning Combat. It's 23rd of November, 2022. Uh, my dad turned 82 yesterday. How about that? Uh, shouts to old dad Thomas turning 82. Wow. All right. Happy birthday. Yeah. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the Capitol. The status of news right here in Washington, D.C. My partner in crime. You know him from the uh, grand streets of Naugatuck, Connecticut, where, you know, if you, uh, if you don't die from a meth overdose, you'll probably just... Uh, Die from a different kind of overdose. Hi, Brian Campbell. How Luke, are you? Uh, like like those three women in Destiny's Child, I'm a survivor. All right? I'm not going to give up. I come from the wrong side of the tracks, but look at me now, right? Look. I think you're more what TLC me. was talking about when they mentioned now. scrubs. Yeah, no scrubs. All right? I was once a scrub, but look at me now. Hey, welcome to... Uh, one, it used to be one of my favorite days of the year. They call it Valley New Year where I'm from, Luke. The day before Thanksgiving, you know, you get out of work early, figure out your bar schedule, look at all the, you know, recent graduates that are now of age that you can make a run after, you know, if that if you were in the game, right? But, you know, now I'm just, a, you know, just a, just a nice homely family man, you know. Emphasis on homely. Uh, all right, so we have a fun show for you today. We have a lot going on. Let's see. There's some John Jones news. PFL is in a couple of days. We'll talk about that pay-per-view that they have. Yo, that's a pay-per-view, up. brother. All right. It that's the championship. For better or for worse. For better or for worse. It's a pay-per-view and a lot of other things. So if you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up. Please hit subscribe if you are new here. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, do be so kind as to give us a nice review. As a reminder, Showtime.com is the label that pays. Go ahead, BC. Oh, I, I keep keep talking about our label that pays us. I love that label, but I want to remind the people that uh, Friday... Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving, time with your family. For me, it's a family tradition. We put up the Christmas tree, put the lights up, all that. Uh, we have already pre-taped a fantastic mailbag episode brought to you by the questions that our viewers asked us on social media. So enjoy that Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, check out our Anthony Smith Room Service Diaries episode that's available right now, youtube.com slash combat. Luke, some people have said that's the best RSD we've ever done. The Anthony Smith one? That's what. That's what some have said. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's definitely pretty good. So go check that out. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. As I was saying though before, Showtime.com is the label that pays. There are some Bellator events left in the month if you want to watch those things. Best place to do that, of course, is going to be at Showtime. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you are allowed to bounce. As BC also indicated, Black Friday, your boys over at, uh, well, this place, MorningCombat.store, they're going to have some, some deals for you over there. So if you want some merch and you're in like the Christmas shopping game, 
This is your window right there. The bomber well, jackets, BZ. Can't slow say your roll, Kyrie. We, we welcome people of all faiths and, and, and holidays for December in terms of gift shopping. But I will say, if you go to morningcombat.store, you put your email address in that opening on the front page, you're going to get an email from RJ Gangbanger himself with the best deals this side of merch. Did, does, do any of our competitors make merch? I mean, I've actually seen people in the wild wearing MK clothes. I've never seen a Helwani shirt or hat anywhere. We're doing a bit here. No, I've never, I've never seen it. I'm, I'm just trying to. Um, we made merch when we did the A Team stuff over at, um, over at uh, MMA Beat, but I don't think that's like. I think that's just a Vox Media thing. I don't know if they allow that kind. Of I'm thing. sure there's a 10-7 hoodie out there somewhere. But all I'm saying is, Luke, if you check the scoreboard lately, Morning Combat is is coming, and they're on top, and we're here to stay. Uh, we win awards and we put sweatshirts on your back and they're very comfortable. So check us out. Uh, continue to, uh, hey, hey, take the taste test. Go around the tour of the combat sports offerings, the shows, the podcasts, the, all that shit. You know, taste and see what you, what you got, okay? If you end up coming back to MK, you're welcome. There you go. Um, as a reminder, of course, the email, morningcombat at gmail.com for today's fan subs, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show, as well as Friday's Dead wrong, which we'll get to not this Friday, but the following. So the next one's probably going to be a hefty dose of L's. We'll take those a little bit later. BC, I don't know what you're sipping on. I had mine earlier this morning, but you know what I'm talking about. AG1, Athletic Greens, the best way to get any day started. Am I right? I am talking about that. And I do get MK viewers and listeners that DM me and say, BC, look, I'm serious. Are you guys just doing a bit or does that really help you? Do you really take it? I take it every morning. Okay. It's one scoop of the magic green powder. Fill up my glass of water, mix it up. And you know what what I've I've built there is a foundation to start my day with something that's clean, healthy, filled with high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods sourced, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, basically all the stuff that I'm kind of missing in my very selective and ignorant and stubborn way of dieting the world and, you know, trying to be healthy. Well, now I got a shortcut. Now I got some Cliff's notes, if you will. A tale of two cities, right? One of them, oh, you know, I'm from Swanky, Georgia, where everything's great. Oh, we're in the debate team in the math bowl. No, the other city in this tale is a dark factory town where sometimes people don't make it. But here I am, thanks to AG1. I think, I think if you saw where I came from, you would, not, you would not assume it's radically different from where you came from, if I could be honest about that. Also, I want to point out it's good for gut health, nervous system, immune support, energy, focus, recovering. BC, it's lifestyle friendly. You can take it on live stream days. And of course, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, while still tasting pretty dang good. Yeah, you know what I like best about it, though? The price. Less than $3 a day to, to really, for some of us, to start a new chapter, to start fresh, to take over our health coming up on that vaunted new year where everybody vows to do that. Uh, if you're already investing in a cold brew habit or you're vaping like a dirty son of a bitch... Hey, guys, you can go down that road, right? Two roads emerged in the woods. And you know what Frost chose? He chose not to vape like a large orangutan. I mean, he chose to get healthy, okay? That's the road less traveled. And it costs less than $3 a day with AG1. I don't know where you left that off. But uh, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. And I know what they're saying, Luke. Why would I listen to these two pieces of shit? Don't listen to us. How about those 7,000 people that gave five-star reviews for Athletic Greens after trying it? How about Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais, bitch? 
And of course, just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it even easier on our people, if you go to athleticgreens.com slash morning combat today, put in your first order. Here's what you're going to get for free, brother. Five free travel packs. I take them on the road, slice it open, pour it in the glass. You're great. And how about a one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D? It's a droplet. I put it in my Athletic Greens every morning. Gives me that additional boost right now. Athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. In fact, Luke, they can take ownership over their health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance with AG1. That's right. Athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health. And as BC indicated, pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Verbatim verbatim not really but kind of close all right let's go with topic number one bc let's get the show started here where i think it the most important news is or certainly the most high profile news there's a bit of a john jones update it comes to us from nolan king over at mma junkie here is what he basically reported that john jones is nearing a comeback they say for real uh the ufc apparently plans to have him at ufc 285 one way or the other with Stipe Miocic out of the picture, by the way, Stipe recently sharing on social media, his father died on Sunday, I believe, so obviously condolences to him. I'm going to imagine that means he's really not going to be prepared to be fighting at UFC 285. They say that Francis Ngannou was the hope. We'll put an asterisk on that. We'll come back in just a second. If he's not healthy, it could be, of course, Curtis Blades. Now, the question that is sort of interesting to me, BC, is per the situation or per the sources close to the situation, if Nganu is ready, that'll be the fight the UFC wants. If not, there is a plan C, which is Curtis Blades. The UFC also has Cyril Gaon in consideration for similar planning position as Blades, though there are concerns about his return timeline from injury. Now, BC, I do want to pitch this to you first, and I'm going to, but I do want to introduce one other factor here. Gaon's, con- excuse me, not Gaon, Francis Ngannou's contract ends at the end of this year before, I think right, or right before, certainly 285, which means... In order for Francis to be on the table, he would have to renew. That's what I would say. And which makes me wonder, BC, is this a leaked report or a leaked information to force Nganu's hand by saying, if he doesn't sign, we're just going to move on with X and Y and Z? Well, I think that's, that's a good, smart way of looking at it, given UFC practices in the past. Uh, go, you know, going the public negotiation route to try to put pressure on or saying a fight's agreed to when the fighters are like, it has really. Um, but I think that's also the move UFC should make. Meaning, look, I can't believe John Jones didn't return in 2023 or 22. I'm surprised Connor didn't either, by the way, but that's just sort of the way things went. But that, that sort of potential non-negotiable chip involved in this, you know, the whole idea of Nganu having the freedom to do what he wants outside of the UFC cage and box Tyson Fury. I feel like because it's things have takes took so long and here we are still in the same spot that that same leverage might not be there. UFC should be a lot in some ways, even though I largely, you know, support Francis's fight in this larger fight. They need to have some insurance, which is why if it's not going to be Francis, if it can't be Francis for the past six, eight months, we're like, okay, just get John back in there. And oh, by the way, John moving up to heavyweight as the GOAT is such a big thing that I'm okay if you put an interim title on the line because if John goes out there or, or the opponent wins, you have an interim champion in stone waiting where if Francis goes, you know, you move on at the end of the day. Look, I think Francis versus John Jones is the fight that they should protect. I think you should put that in a football stadium. In best case, best laid practices, I, I would have already had Francis resign by now and be, you know, banging the drum toward this huge fight. And it's like, I think not knowing what John would look like at heavyweight 
leading into an actual title fight against Ngannou would only help that be even bigger. But the show must go on at some point, and it's no guarantee right now that Francis does resign. But Luke, if they announce John Jones in an interim title fight, doesn't that essentially corner Francis and be like, look, you're you're losing all of your leverage here. So, you know, shit or get off the pot. And again, I agree with Francis in the larger discussion of fighter pay and his want to get out of his contract and be on his own terms. But it's it feels like a long time ago that he beat Cyril Ghan and nothing's happened since then outside of him continuing his recovery. So, you know, I just want to see John Jones at heavyweight. And like I said, I do think he carries with him enough earned respect, at least in the cage, that even if it's Curtis Blades, you know, who's who's very, you know, worthy and respectable, I want an interim title on that thing. I, I Look, I want to see it. I want to see John Jones. Let's do it. Let's freaking do it, Luke. Well, and I think they to... should have necessary concerns that they might not be able to get Francis back. I mean, what do you what do you think is going through Francis' head at the moment right now? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how hardly they're renegotiating. I don't know if they're renegotiating at all. I don't really know what the state of that is. Um, and we don't hear because we're hearing this. It kind of tells me it may not be going all that well. To be quite candid with you, I will yeah. say if you're Francis, you know, it was kind of funny. Remember when when Curtis beat um, uh, Tom Aspinall, and we were like, well, but it was, you know, it was a kind of a freak accident. It, the fight was over as soon as it started, basically. And we were like, what, what was this really worth? If he ends up getting this fight by virtue of kind of a process of elimination, yeah, he, he lucked into it, but that would have been a thing that helped him get into it. Like, it, it, it would, turns out that there might actually be some value to that win beyond, you know, other than just being an L, it was a W. So it's kind of interesting to think about. I'll say this as well, BC. Like for me, I really like a John Jones Curtis Blades fight. To be perfectly honest, and I'll tell you why. It's very easy. Is it as big in any marketing respect as what John Jones versus Francis Ngannou would be? No. But let's let's go over a couple things. You mentioned the interim title. Well, if Francis doesn't resign, it might just be for the full on title. Number yeah. one, like that. Yeah. That's in play. By the way, that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is either interim or regular title or even no title. It's certainly going to be probably for a main event. And for me, dude, Curtis Blades is a very tough test. And we had Chael Sonnen on RSD. He said it's John Jones's toughest test of anyone in the heavyweight division. Now, you can agree or disagree with that, but that's certainly a, a, not a totally crazy opinion given what we know about the improvement in his striking. I think he's worked on his cardio and certainly his wrestling is phenomenal. And to me, it's like, dude, we just don't know where John is at. He's taken long breaks in his career before, but this is a huge one, three-plus years, basically, since he'll come back. You have a very tough test in this. I actually wouldn't mind if they end up going to their C plan here in Curtis Blades whatsoever, fully recognizing BC that the Francis fight is bigger and in many ways more important. But I'm not going to cry if they end up with Curtis Blades, I got to tell you. It, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's an excellent matchup, title or not. You do make a good point that if Francis' contract is up at the end of this calendar year, then by then, or in theory, if they announce that at the turn of the new year, this could be a full-fledged championship bout, which if it was, though, wouldn't you want Cyril gone in there against John if it was a full-fledged one? My only question, in, in the, so this ties to what I'm saying here. So it, Here's what I'm trying to say. We don't actually know what John's going to look like. It could go spectacularly, could go disastrously. We don't know. But if he goes out there and loses to 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 Curtis Blades, marketing wise, excitement wise, that's not a great case scenario for the UFC. Would you want to risk that? I mean, if it's for the full title, then then mission accomplished. Who cares if John loses at that point? But if you got a chance to put in Cyril Gaon and it's for the full championship, wouldn't you? 
Or is that a hard... I, I don't know. I don't know how to look at this, Luke. It's interesting. Okay, so who's a... T- okay, no one knows how good John is right now. But whatever you think he is, for better or for worse, given what you think, who's a tougher fight for him, Gone or Blades? I get why Chael would say Blades, but I think Gone because of the striking. Because when I look at a Blades-John matchup, I, I, I think of, you know, the John I imagine at heavyweight is going to be able to outstrike Blades and, and keep distance. And no, it's not, it's not, it's not a, as if it's not going to be a dangerous challenge. But I think John can swim that. Now he's good. He would have to stay off his back. But John's, you know, got a detailed history of being a great wrestler and being able to control himself in those areas. So I think Cyril Gon presents the unknown to John Jones mostly because he has that true heavyweight 2.0 style where he strikes like a free flowing middleweight in a heavyweight's body. And although he did lose Tangano, and although he was, ex- you know, quote unquote exposed on the ground, I don't think it was an overall exposure that he can improve on. And since then, yeah, he was life or death with Tuivasa, but he showed us his backbone and got through the end of that fight. So, yeah, I think I think Sorogan is the toughest matchup. So if if look if we have a chance to go full championship, if it becomes clear that Francis Ngannou is going to go his own way, but Luke, I'm running out of feeling like he has leverage to do that because nobody's talking about a Tyson Fury fight anymore. So it does lead you to believe that there's a middle ground in money that they could give Francis to get him back, and they should want to in reality. Um, I mean, to me, Francis versus John is the fight you just make. So I'm hoping, Luke, that this is all just talk. I mean, where is Francis on the recovery? Because that's a key part of this. A key part of whether or not he'll sign December 31st is where he's at physically, right? And yeah, and by the I, way, we didn't set it up, but uh, 285 is going to be in Vegas on March 5th. So he would have some time beyond that to get something done. I, I, I tend to think you're right. We said it before. Like, it just... The best option would be for Francis to get a pay bump and then stay with UFC versus going on his own and risking something that just may never, ever, ever materialize. Certainly, if you stay with the UFC, you have, you know, you know nothing's ever guaranteed, but a pretty clear path to get some big fights and some big coin as a consequence. So that's, I know he's making a documentary about his recovery. I don't think he's 100% yet. That's the thing, too. It's like we're already in late November. If he wanted to fight in early March that would just give you December, January, and February for the fight camp back. I mean, that just seems really rushed, to be quite honest with you, uh, if he's not fully 100% yet. so And he's only I, getting older, and there's only more questions about how that knee actually looks when he right. does get back. So, look, I, I'm going to say it. I'm feeling like he's going to look at the ground, you know, look at what's available to him. He's going to get a bump, I think, from this whole situation. I mean, he went out there with no knees and, and, and defended the championship against, you know... Uh, a, a real one in Cyril Ghan. I mean, it was an insane performance and victory. I think we see him and John next year. If it's not March because of Francis's knee, then we push it out a little bit more. But I mean, that is, that is still the fight to make. But look, my, the biggest question out of all the unanswered questions pertaining to this situation, I know I've asked you it before on the show, but I want to do it again. Cause I still don't get it. It was 18 months ago, 18 that John Jones hired Richard Schaefer, former, you know, CEO or whatever of Golden Boy Promotions and Boxing to like be this advisor that would in theory cut through the middle of what then was John will only come back if they pay him Deontay Wilder money. That that's a story from a long time ago, but it's been 18 months since John hired Richard, and then we started to hear more about the negotiations or that the talking are going a little better. We always see videos of John in the gym, and he's got a heavyweight body. Look, he's had a heavyweight body for like two years. It seems he hasn't fought in like three freaking years specifically to the last 
year to 18 months. Answer this question the best you know how. Why the hell has John Jones not come back yet? Because we know full well why Nganu hasn't, although he did fight this calendar year in that fight I mentioned. Why the hell has John Jones taken this long to come back? Is it tied into the idea that him versus Francis is still the Super Bowl heavyweight fight they can make? Is it is that part of it? Yeah, I mean, there's probably a few factors. One is there's been probably times he wanted to come back and whatever the UFC, who knows what the UFC offered him at certain points, right? I mean, it's just hard to know. That's probably one factor. What, 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 who did they offer him at what times? So that's one. Second one, of course, is just sort of the general concern about getting his body ready. I mean, that's probably delayed it to some degree. Um, the other one is going to be once Francis got injured and then they weren't sure about Stipe, it, it just made things difficult to get that ball rolling. So there's a lot of things in many ways, out of John's control, in fairness to him, that he can't control what Stipe wants to do and when he wants to do it. He can't control how healthy Francis Ngannou is and when he can be back. Like these things are, and who or who and when the UFC offered him. I would also say, and again, this part's hard to know, and I don't want to overly speculate, but he obviously had some issue privately with that whole thing in Las Vegas, um, and I think he had a familial split as a consequence. Like, dude, that can really mess a person up and change all your priorities and. You know, just create, I think as a basic way to say it, some serious complications about anything you're able to do, personal, professional, you name it, right? So uh, between, I should say, among all of those factors, and also, again, I go back to it, John Jones has been teasing a heavyweight move for 10 years, a decade. There you go. He was waiting for just the right time, and I guess this is fine. But also, how old is John? What is he? Thirty four. Thirty five, dude. He's going to be thirty six I mean, next not, July. I mean, dude, it's time. It's time. So like, so February will be three years out of the cage since the Dom Reyes win. Shortly after, if you remember, he did give up the title, saying he's moving up. I mean, that's three years. I'll give him a year to rebuild his body and take his time. Okay, you add in what you mentioned, some legitimate outside the cage issues with arrest and family situations and repositioning his life and all that. Okay, I'll add on another six months to even a year. That's still two years, and we're coming up on three years away. So if we've had to wait this long and with all the potential options, and again, no disrespect to Curtis Blades, but if it's going to align... Where in some form in the next six months, both John Jones and Francis Gano will both be ready. You might as well just wait to put them together at this point because that is the fight. I love other permutations of a John Jones comeback earlier. You know how much I love the idea of a non-title John Jones versus Tai Tuivasa pay-per-view main event that just says, F it, let's have fun. We'll give John a test, but it's just going to be, you know, violence and war. I love that too. I think that's a perfect soft launch. But short of that... If Francis is coming back, I don't want to see him against Cyril Gaon or Stipe or, I mean, Stipe would have worked with the history, but, or Curtis Blades. It's got to be Francis versus John. And like I said to start the segment, what we don't know about John in terms of what exactly he'll look like at heavyweight, I think will fuel the, the, the build and the want to find that out. I want to find that out first in a full title match against Francis. Uh, I'm at that point now. I've waited too long. And look, if we wait any longer, then the next time you show up at a John Jones press conference, you know what you're going to say to him? You're going to raise your hand and say, hey, John, your 30s have been largely wasted. How will you look back on this decade? And you know what he'll say this time? Luke, I thought I told you at 214, you piece of shit. I don't like you. And I never will. That's a great joke, man. I'm glad you're telling it again. Super good. Hey, uh, since 2011, where he fought one, two, three, four times, John Jones fought four times in 2011. 2012, he fought twice. 
2013 twice. Okay, so that's pretty decent. 2014 once, 2015 once, 2016 once, 2017 once, 2018 once, 2019 twice. That was with Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos fights. And then 2020 once. BC, not even taking into account the fact that it'll be three years, basically, uh, and, and more if he fights actually in March, because the last one was February 8th of 2020. So it'll be more than three years. But even before that, dude, he has missed significant amounts of time yeah. dating all the way back basically to 2014, the Baltimore fights, and only competing once a year basically since that time. I will say this, man. If he goes in there and like runs the table on whoever it is, gone, Blades, Nganu, whatever. I mean, just to beat those guys with all the time off would be amazing. If he goes in there and shines, dude, he would be the outlier of all outliers of all outliers. So I'm glad you said that. Because what we're asking of him, what I'm asking of him, I'm asking everybody to just kind of wait a little bit longer, get Francis re-signed, and just make John versus Francis for the title. It's the biggest heavyweight fight you can make, right? Lesnar's not coming through that door. We're not pulling in casuals. This is the biggest fight you can make. That's asking a freaking lot of John Jones to make his heavyweight debut against that monster on that stage with this much time off. But with membership as the current reigning GOAT in my eyes, that's the type of responsibility it comes with. And Luke, for other fighters, you'd be nervous. I mean, look, it, it takes a rare breed. What GSP did after five years to beat Bisping in a division up, I mean, there's a reason why that's such a beloved moment. It takes a, a special kind of medal to be able to shake off any ring rush, shake off the things going on in your life, move up, redo your body, and then go in there and beat that killer. But if anybody can do it, it actually is John Jones. And to your point, if he does it, Dude, we're, we don't ha- we're not going to have a goat discussion ever again. That upper room, they're going to they're going to carve out a hole in the ceiling and 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 make a little attic in there. And John Jones will sit up there alone, right? And everybody else will be looking up at him. And despite all the shit he's put himself, his family, MMA fans, and the company through, I'll still bow down and say, yeah, you're the greatest I've ever seen because that accomplishment is insane. But it's in play, Luke. It's still it in play. Is, at I would agree dude, if he can come back and win after all of this time off again, not just the three years, all the years prior to that, with all of the issues inside the cage, outside the cage, dude. I was just looking at. I mean, just I know this is not what we're talking about, but like, listen to his numbers. So this is, you know, the guy made his UFC debut back in 2008. Okay, 2008 to 2022, basically, and got granted a significant time off in various places. Strikes landed per minute 4.3. Strikes absorbed 2.2. Like like a, like an over two positive differential striking accuracy fifty seven that's high striking defense sixty four percent that's high takedowns per fifteen minutes one point eight five that's good takedown accuracy forty four percent but we all know that's not really a very strong indication of anything takedown defense ready for this guy made his UFC debut in two thousand eight his takedown defense is ninety five percent ninety five that's after two fights with Cormier ninety five percent I mean. I, I, dude, I'm telling you, if he comes back, the debate is fucking over, 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 completely over. And, you know, not my best friend. I wouldn't care if he ever came back. But if he does and he looks the way that some people think he's going to, I don't know how. Oh, he did drugs. Blah, blah. All your favorite athletes are on drugs. Stop. I it. mean, dude, at some point, at some point, we're all going to wake up and call Barry Bonds maybe the greatest baseball player of all time. And look, it's comical how much he roided probably. Because his numbers were comical. His jacked size at age 40 with a small bat being intentionally walked 150 times. I mean, it's all comical. But that's the reality of sports. 
And at, at, at that, at, you know, the, the 2000s, he may have been the best baseball player anyone has ever seen. John Jones is that in, in, in fighting. And um, I really wish he would have at least sold a little bit. My John Jones comeback 30s joke. I mean, I, I, mean, I get it. I just get go it. to the same ones. You know, I get it. It's very low-hanging fruit, but it's large. You know I mean? It, it was, you know, it's still still got a little bit of life to it. But, um, damn. I mean, seriously, th- this is a big deal. And maybe it won't get a million and a half buys like I want it to or two million buys if they do John versus Ngannou. But there's a lot at stake there and a lot of pressure on John. But he is, he is built for this in that regard. Luke, I did want to ask you before we get off John Jones completely – Yes, I'm here to promote our Anthony Smith Room Service Diaries. Do you have any response to, I guess, what some people thought was a controversial take by Anthony Smith in our RSD, where he says, look, looking back on my title loss to John Jones, I feel like he's very beatable. I feel like he's very basic in a lot of categories. It's just that he's very good in so many categories. Is that like happenstance? I could have been a contender. I'd love to get it again. Talk from an athlete who has to be stubborn to be able to keep you know, re- reinventing himself. Or is it disillusioned? I think partly people, I think people misread that one a little bit, not totally, but a little bit. Like, I think mostly what drives Smith's opinions about that fight is his own regret about himself, right? Like, he's mad at himself for not performing up to the level that which he thought he could perform. And I, I don't think anyone can say that, like, that's the best version of Anthony Smith they ever saw. Again, a lot of that is what John Jones was doing to him, but. Um, I think what drives a lot of that is just a lot of personal regret over having the ability to fight a different fight and not being able to execute in the way that you thought, especially against an opponent who in some ways, I'm not going to say was there for the taking, but you know that could have been and should have been a closer fight. Now, maybe you think John's going to win no matter what. Fine, I'm, I'm not here to argue with that. I, I, you know, I, I think John would have won that one. I would pick him in most cases too, but um, I think it's what that's what's driving it. Also, his central point is, I think, not... It's not totally off, right? When he says, like, you know, what is John super elite at? You know, in individual composite arts. He's a very good wrestler, right? Like that you could say, especially on the defensive side. But beyond that, like on the offensive side, his numbers declined badly at the end of his light heavyweight run. I mean, they dropped off a cliff. I did a whole video on it. Like they weren't nearly as good as they once were. And so you begin to look at it, you're like, what is he truly elite at based on what we know from the end of his light heavyweight run? What makes him elite is that he's very good at everything and that he blends it. But the individual composite parts are not overwhelming. Like on the ground, he's not Hodger Gracie. Standing up, he's not Rod Tang. You know, with wrestling, he's not Habib. Like that's not who this guy is. So or at least wasn't at the end there. There were certain parts of his career where the wrestling was dominant. And so, you know, I think he, I, I think he underplays the argument about what the blending means and how it elevates his whole game. But the part about the composite uh, uh, sports being not as elite in any one respect as folks imagine them to be. I don't think that's that's that crazy. I really don't. Yeah. Um. Do, are you of the belief that we see? This is what I really want to see about John and heavyweight. Not just you know resistant punch resistance against the elites. Not just is he going to be slick enough with a light heavyweight body with more muscle on it to just you know reinvent himself. And you know even though he's thirty five, we don't panic because it's heavyweight. Do you think John offensively wrestles at heavyweight in ways? That he didn't always need to at light heavyweight. He wrestled a lot at light heavyweight. Almost two takedowns per fifteen minutes. True, That's but toward the toward the end of the reign, it was more about keeping people yeah, at bay. He couldn't with the, get him, not because he didn't try. He couldn't get him. Um, well, he sat back and wanted to kind of make you pay for your mistakes and make you 
you could look that 84 inch reach a light heavyweight or whatever it was is ridiculous. Okay. He used that to his advantage in ways people say Izzy does at middleweight, you know, until, uh, until, uh, Poetan. But I, I think he could be a, you know, if he, if he makes that a part of the game plan, Luke, to control people and, and, and gas them out at heavyweight and try to minimize the effects of their power, he could be even, even more dangerous than we thought. Right. If he can wrestle like he used to with that ability at heavyweight, he yeah, he, he won't be beaten. He won't be beaten. That's just wow. as simple as that. But um, it's like how many times can you F up karma-wise? How many times can you take time off? How many times can you right. be Teflon? You know what? No, like, look, love him or hate him. How many times can you get away with it? You know, we at, at some points in the end of Floyd Mayweather's career, Especially when he was, you know, remember he went to jail in 2012. We were sort of saying the same thing. To Floyd's credit, he was always able to hold things together in the ring despite what's going on outside of it. And he did it on his own terms and he was 50-0 and 0, and he's still beating up people around the globe today. True, can John, true. Can, can John be Teflon in that same way? I, that's that's See, here, the allure. The, the, I, I do want to move on, but the last thing I would say on this, BC, to answer that question, because I do think it's a good question, is this is the difference, though. MMA is still a very young sport and is rapidly evolving. Like the guys he was stunting on in 2011 and 12, yeah, I mean, some of them are still around in certain ways, but the game itself has advanced considerably. Now, maybe not as much at heavyweight, and so that's where he's making that, I'm going to thread that needle and go up there and see what happens. Um, and so uh, that, that changes the equation a little bit. But, you know, how much did boxing really evolve between 2012 and 20, say, 17 or so? It may have de- devolved. It may have, it may have gone back. Like, yeah. yeah, again, and again, heavyweight relative to light heavyweight is going to be a little bit easier. So there's part of that in play too. But in general, like in general, it's a much tougher game. It's a much tougher game. So we're going to have to see. All right, let's talk about this. The big card on Friday. It's the biggest card this weekend. The 2022 PFL World Championships. Main card starts at 8 p.m. It is an ESPN paper, ESPN Plus, excuse me, pay-per-view. if you are so inclined. Your main event, BC, Kayla Harrison taking on Larissa Pacheco for the Women's Featherweight Championship. Before I pitch you the first question about that, just as a reminder, who's on this card? You have the Featherweight Championship between Brendan Lochnan and Bubba Jenkins. You have the Heavyweight Championship from between Ante D'Elia and Mateus Scheffel. You have the Lightweight, Stevie Ray, Olivier, Aubin Marcier, two UFC vets. Um, Delano Taylor, Delano Taylor versus Sadabusi at welterweight. I've interviewed C a couple times. Omari Akhmadov and then Rob Wilkinson at light heavyweight. Also on that card, Aspen Ladd versus Julia Budd, Marlon Moraes versus Shaman Moraes. And uh, no, they're not related. And it goes on from there. Jeremy Stevens on the card. Magomed loser Magomed has to Kerr, change Mar- his name, I hear, Luke. Okay. I hear loser has yeah. to change his surname. All right. So, BC, Kayla Harris and Larissa Pacheco, those will be their third meeting. I went and I rewatched both of them. And the second one, BC, the scores were 50 43 and then 250 45s. Yeah, so I'll set it the, up for you. Shoot me. What are you going to do? Why the fuck should I care about this fight? Here's why. First of all, it's Larissa. So can you put a little bit of respect on her name, Luke? Fair enough. As, yes, I will accept that. Larissa um, Pacheco. Okay, a couple of reasons why. Number one, because Larissa Pacheco has what seemingly nobody else really has in this division to be a, th- a true threat to Kayla Harrison, and that's legit power, and even to the degree of potential one-punch power. Number one. Number two, despite the fact that, yes, she does have two defeats to Kayla Harrison, and they both came in 2019, one in the regular season, a three-round unanimous decision, and one in the championship of that 2019 regular season, a five-round unanimous decision that, to your point, 
was very wide. But if you look up and down that run, Kayla Harrison's finishing percentage against people not named Larissa Pacheco under the PFL banner is like insane. So you have somebody that has a built-in level of toughness and resistance who looked after they took 2020 off due to COVID, they reunited last year in the 2021 season, Larissa Pacheco was looking to be on her way to becoming that challenge for Kayla and seeing how much the two years off changed her and she got her, or no, she missed weight by two pounds. She got kicked out of the semifinal. I mean, it's her fault. She she lost the opportunity. Kayla went on to demolish the other two ladies standing. This is her chance to come back, no, no excuses, and prove how dynamic of a threat she is. To her credit, Larissa Pacheco, here's probably the third reason why I got a little bit of confidence that this could be worth your time and worth, worth watching. For the 28-year-old Pacheco, who, by the way, yes, does have losses in the UFC to GDR and Andrade at Bantamweight. Since the second loss to Kayla Harrison, she's 5-0 and with five first-round knockouts. So Pacheco has done everything since she last lost to prepare herself to be as dangerous as possible to maybe be the only one in this division that can really challenge Kayla. Kayla may go out there and just, you know, ragdoll her and get to the finish line, but Kayla has proven in two fights she she hasn't been able to stop Pacheco. I think this is worth watching. I think Pacheco could not have more motivation to go out there, be dangerous, go for it. And Luke, she has improved in the three years since that loss. She's demolished everybody else. No one's trying to claim that this division's deep, okay? It's not. But she has demolished the competition. I think we give her a little bit of respect for the power and the experience she brings in here and say, look, how... like." How hard is this for Kayla Harrison to get her? I know there's a million dollars. It's a pay-per-view championship. You should be motivated. But she has to constantly get herself motivated to people that against people that you look at the odds. They have no freaking chance. When we try to break it down, we know they have no freaking chance. To her credit, she's been able to demolish most of them and cut pro wrestling promos after. But you do have to ask yourself, how long does that catch up with you? You know, can you actively pull deep and get the very best of yourself every single time when that motivation isn't always there all that this is a real fight this is a real challenge so luke i think that we should we should kind of suspend the history and and look at it that way and just say kayla's gonna have to go out once again and prove that she can disarm this dangerous opponent who may be the only shot at at, at somebody putting her away here the odds makers disagree with you. They have this as the widest fight by a considerable margin on this entire card. Our friends at Caesars have Kayla Harrison at a minus 650. They have Larissa Pacheco at a plus 475. I don't have the odds of their other fights in front of me to see how that compares. I would imagine it's roughly approximate. I will agree with you, I think, on one thing, BC, that does deserve to be noted. Now, Harrison has locked horns with Pacheco for eight rounds. If you look at the last five of them and part of the first three as well, I have noticed a distinct lack of ground and pound from Harrison in these fights. Now, I'm not sure if that's intentional. In fact, I think that it is because you'll recall that one sort of stint in Invicta that Harrison had. She was lighting her opponent up with elbows and it was a disaster and cutting her up and it was all kinds of stuff. But in general, I find that that in those fights and partly it's the rule set, obviously, but I also find that she just doesn't have, she at least in her second fight, I'll put it that way, I did not see enough ground and pound in the second fight between Harrison and Pacheco, not to not win. Obviously, she won walking away. She got uh, the 10 on all three judges' scorecards for all five rounds, but rather that Pacheco was just kind of always hanging around, and then she was pressuring hard 
in the fifth round before being taken down and then mounted again. And so you're like, well, she can always go back to the takedown and then positional control. But, you know, you're giving someone now, if they fought eight rounds, you're going to give them nine rounds, potentially 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 rounds. That's a lot to give an opponent who's a big puncher and who has faced that person, obviously, many rounds before that. So I understand the odds, and I do agree with them. I think Harrison should win this one without too much trouble. But I will say, if you see her getting takedowns in the first three rounds or so, something like that, BC, but she's not not delivering a ton of punishment through them, that does, to me, make the championship rounds a bit on the dicey side. Would you agree with that? Sure, yeah. And look, like, you know, I said... Outside of Pacheco going the distance twice against her, in her 15 pro fights, she's only ever been taken to the scorecards one other time, and that was in May of this season's tournament. Remember that fight against Marina Mokhat, Mokna, Yeah, but that wasn't a strong performance from... Uh, so what I'm saying here is Kayla won. was very you know, upset at herself for not being able to get a finish there and for kind of not being able to dominate in the way she's used to. Is that a trend? Is this the perfect time? I mean, I think your point about, like, how many rounds can you give somebody who's still pretty damn good, and Pacheco is, a chance to try to try something new and figure you out. I'm just saying that there's a kind of a... It's weird to set, to ever try to breathe words that, like, Kayla's kind of in a no-win situation this year because she had to resign with PFL. They had matching rights. UFC offered her but didn't go overboard and throwing, you know, and backing up the truck to her. And that's the position they're going to take. You're going to have to come to us on our terms and earn it, right? Especially where you stand marketing-wise right now. We don't even know if she's going to, you know, what next year? Is she going to be a pay-per-view fighter against two? We don't even know. I mean, like, there is a lot. Like, this tests the true championship build of her to be able to constantly get yourself back on that level when it's sort of like, what does she have to gain this year, Luke, out of, besides the one million? And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sneeze at that, but what does she have to gain? The competitor in her can only keep doing this for so long, right? You may go out there and just, I don't know, overlook an opponent or just be too focused on trying to get a stoppage because you're trying to make a big statement. I wonder how, you know, if this ends up catching up with Kayla eventually and she ends up in a really close fight. There's just a couple of ways this could all go real weirdly. So let's say that this fight plays out like the last two where Harrison wins five rounds widely, 50-45 or something like that, you know, some version of that. And you're like, well, geez, this person had 13 rounds against Kayla and she couldn't win. Does Kayla really have any real peers anywhere that that organization can find? That would probably tell you not. On the other hand, even if Kayla wins, but wins the same way she has been, which is like a lot of positional control, not a ton of ground and pound, you're going to say, well, where's, where's like the, I mean, you had 13 rounds against this person, you couldn't put them away you know, is this really a dynamic talent that we should be following? So there's, there is pressure on Kayla in that particular way where even if, uh, yes, a victory would be great because she'd get a lot of money and she secures the bag and God bless her for it. But if if the showing is not strong enough, um, I mean, in other words, if she's strong enough to win but not strong enough to finish, it's not the worst of both worlds, but it's not the best place because it shows that there isn't enough competition and yet even though there's not enough competition, Harrison still couldn't get the finish over her that just doesn't create a lot of excitement for any future opportunities for fans who are tuning in. I mean, the pressure is on her every single fight to finish the person in the first round and then cut a pro wrestling promo afterwards because there's no threat to her outside of potentially Pacheco. So that's why it's going to be interesting. Look, I think Kayla's wired like few are. You know, mm-hmm. I think you're right. The odds say she should win. I do think there's danger here. I would ultimately pick Kayla. But if things have the potential to go wonky... 
you are in there against somebody who's battle tested, has fight ending power, is hungry as heck, is probably embarrassed how how things fell apart in last season's tournament with the weight miss, and like I mentioned, is five and zero with five first round knockouts since losing to Kayla. So, you know what? I talked myself back into this main event. There's legitimate debate. And we we were a big part of it of like, should this be a pay-per-view? Are they actually offering enough to warrant this? You know, uh, God bless them on the final numbers. But I, I am very interested in this, Luke, to overall considering the Kayla situation. Because if Kayla is on her way to, you know, one day fighting to become the GOAT, you should finish the person that you haven't been able to, right? You should figure out a way to. I mean, we're expecting yes. her to go in there and finish her, right? And that's not going to be easy. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So on this card, we're not going to go through all of them unless you really want to. But the other one, the co-main on this one, to me, is highly interesting. Brendan Lochnan, who, of course, famously was on the Contender Series, wins his fight, but goes for a takedown late. Dana says, no thanks. Well, he says, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? Goes to PFL. And now he fights Bubba Jenkins. Man, I remember, folks, I don't know if you know the story, BC. It was big when he made the transition. Bubba Jenkins wrestled at Penn State under Kale Sanderson, of course, the, the powerhouse of all powerhouse programs. And they, those two had a falling out. And so Jenkins left the program, went to Arizona State, and then won a national title at Arizona State his senior year. It was a, I can't, I cannot overstate this to you. That was a massively triumphant moment for him. Huge, 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 right? Because everyone thought he was just some malcontent who wasn't that good. And then he goes in there and wins a national title. Incredible. I covered him at a Beat the Streets event when he did a rapping intro for it. This was like 2010 or 2011. And then he got into MMA, and he was good, but he was like, it looked for a while fatally flawed. Two losses to Georgie Karakanian in Bellator. He got bounced from there. He was kind of fighting in uh, Russia and overseas places. Found a home in the PFL. He's 19-5. and five. These guys both have a win over a similar opponent this season. It seems to me, BC, Brendan Lochnan, more well-rounded, definitely more well-rounded. Bubba Jenkins, it's wrestle, grapple, or this is not a winnable contest. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And I do think you kind of set the tune of it's a it's a redemption story both ways. I like this fight. The odds right. are telling us right. that we should expect something fun, special. Uh, our friends at Caesars at the moment, Luke, has locking in minus 160, plus 135 for Jenkins. So uh, this is going to be a great fight. But, you know... Lachman has been hoping and waiting and building for this moment that validates that Dana White made a wrong decision. And, you know, I, I, he has an opportunity to get this as as even with being a slight favorite. But Bubba Jenkins has always been interesting. There's always been a wild card factor about him. Can he pull out a performance we didn't see coming here in this moment? Because this is also his chance at legitimate, you know, I mean, not just a million dollars and a title, but like a reputation of legitimacy outside of just being a name or being wild and crazy. Um, It is a tough challenge. The odds do represent that it's going to be a battle, Luke. They both can, can handle themselves on the ground. This is going to come down to who can strike. This come down to who can stand. And that's where Bubba Jenkins' crazy side of him could make waves here, Luke. Also, I, I do wonder about Jenkins' gas tank. Not just by virtue of the fact that it's five rounds, but the way in which he fights so wrestling and grappling intensive that, um, you know, Lachnan's tough and he's durable and he's got stamina and he is going to be hard to hold down. That one to me, like I could very much see a case where Jenkins has just the better wrestling up front. But yeah. can he sustain that lead, so to speak, over the course of the fight? 
Don't know. He is eight and one in his last nine, Bubba Jenkins, and there's been a ton of dude. Bubba Jenkins is on the best run of his career, absolutely, uh, at least in MMA. By and there's been a there's been some you know there's been a good amount of decisions in that too. So he has proven he can go aggressive late. Now a lot of those are three round fights. This is a five round championship fight. But I think all of those things we just laid out, they're both going to be hungry. This is going to be a good fight. All right, I'm talking myself into it as an MMA fan. That's different. From MMA view, MMA pay per view customer, but that I is, do like a lot is. of these matchups. Like, look, you know what matchup's going to bang this heavyweight championship? Because we were ready to all crown Bruno Capeloza of Brazil a second time and and start propping him up in the larger global heavyweight discussion. Mm-hmm. But it fell apart from him for him this year, and I think a big part of that was Mateus Scheffel stuffing all of his takedowns and gassing him out and winning a decision against him. So, look, Mateus Scheffel, who came into here as Really, and also ran in a lot of ways. We weren't talking about him. He's going to rematch Anti Delizia, who knocked him out of the uh, earlier this season in the second round of a war. Um, this fight's going to be fun. They're both going to throw heavy leather because that's what they do. But uh, Sheffield's been an interesting underdog wild card to this tournament. I, I wouldn't count him out, even getting stopped by Anti the first time around. This is going to be a fun fight. Uh, yeah, again, Delia, I think already beat her, as you indicated. He knocked him out in the second round when they fought earlier this season. But you, you just never get the sense that there's one PFL heavyweight who's clearly better than the other ones. Yeah. On any given night, like you get the sense that there are there there some are better than others for sure and have different strengths. They're not, I'm not saying it's the same fighter, but like, do you really get the sense that like one guy is head and shoulders above the rest? I don't. It feels like there's a lot of parity in that division. So. That could play out, certainly, on Friday night. Uh, BC, any thoughts about Julia Budd and Aspen Ladd? I'm going to ask it this way. As a reminder, this fight's at 145, not 135. So there's a bit of uh, breathing room, so to speak, for Ladd. Is this this must-win for Aspen Ladd? Feels like it might be. It's must look very good, like, without question. I mean, she's running out of options, right? She's running out of outs. This is an opportunity at a reinvention here. But look, it's not going to be easy, like... Julia Budd was the Bellator champion for a while, and she's got experience, and she's got size here. I think the jury is st- the jury is out on Aspen Ladd in a lot of categories. Moving up from bantamweight now permanently is going to hopefully take off the pressure of her chronic weight missing and, and how much she was taxing her body physically. But you know, Julia Budd is 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 big for this weight class and coming down from fighting up at lightweight and trying to develop herself as a free agent, pick up a legitimate threat to uh, Kayla Harrison. That never happened. She she uh, lost. She was one and one in this season, didn't make the finals. But, dude, Aspen Ladd has not yet to, like, truly prove that she's a contender at 145 or can be a threat. She had that one decision loss in UFC when she was kind of forced to move up. Yeah, there's a lot that she's going to have to answer in this. And the reason why I say she's going to have to – there is a scenario that, that this is an action fight and she – you know, could lose a decision, but lose it very competitively where it shows you, okay, the fighting spirit's still there. You know, uh, well, basically, I think the biggest in-cage thing, a lot of outside-the-cage things she has to answer. The biggest in-cage thing for me is Aspen Ladd's most recent fights. Her striking is just uh, a lot of noise and movement without much coming out of it, right? It's just a lot of yelling and moving and moving the hands and it just hasn't, she hasn't seemed confident. She hasn't seemed fluid. She seemed lost. And, uh, you know, I like the long-term potential as a wrestler puncher, meaning, you know, take you down, good ground upon. There's times we've seen the animal come out of her in the past. But she's got to really come in here against a, a a studied, proven opponent in Julia Budd who's fought, the you know, the best she's had the ability to. 
and prove that she can outstrike her, in my opinion. If she can come out and do that, even win or lose, right? Ha show on the feet that she's legit and she's here. Uh, there's a there's a lot of ways she can win on, on, on Friday night. But um, if she comes out here and loses, Luke, and doesn't look good, I don't know what else we're going to say about her after that. Also, reminder, Julia Budd has been around for quite some time and is always a physical fighter, but she's 39. 39. Fair. Like, That's I'll fair. just say this. I, I, I'm going to say it slightly different than you. Must look good is probably true for Aspen Ladd. It's... She should win this fight. She should win this fight, quite candidly. She should win Are this fight. Are you sure, if though, she Luke? She's coming, she's go coming up from 35. Bud's coming down from 55. I know she's older, but she's not easy to just handle. I mean, she's No, she's, she's not easy to handle, but if one... For yes, you're right in that sense. Sure. But the way I look at it is, Ladd is supposed to be at 145. She was killing herself to get to 135 so she should have more energy more stamina more ability to, to put the fight on her and you've got bud who is again quite a physical fighter and certainly an experienced one but probably on the decline for her career just given the age and the natural way these things kind of go i don't think it should be easy bc so when i say it's must win in that sense i don't mean that like oh like this is never a fight you should lose i don't mean that i mean if you are who we think you are this should be the fight that you win, um, that you you should be able to pass this. And if you can't, it raises some serious questions at that point. BC, Look, I got a question one, for you. I got a question for you quickly, though. Yeah. On the outcome of this. There's a new segment brought to you by Mamitas. Uh, Luke, I want to ask you, if Aspen Ladd looks too good and looks like she made the right choice and whatever she did to change outside the cage has worked and she goes in there and she stops Julia Butt on the ground. Could be a, you know, could be a submission, could be just pound her out. Is she fighting Kayla Harrison on pay-per-view next year? Probably. Under the PFL Probably, banner? yeah, 145, probably. Mm -hmm. Okay. Probably. All right. I just wanted to get that out there, Luke. I wanted you to, you know, bite yeah. on it and tell hey, me what it tastes like. let move on. 155, Stevie Ray taking on Olivier Aubin Marcier. These are two UFC vets. OAM, the French-Canadian out of uh, TriStar Gym up there. He has not lost since he fought Armin Saryukian all the way back in 2010 BC. For this recent season, he beat Natan Schultz. He beat Hausch Manfio and then Alex Martinez. He won all three of those via decision. Stevie Ray had a little bit more of an interesting run. Uh, loses to Alex Martinez to begin the season, then beats Anthony Pettis twice. It brought him to this. It seems to me, BC, OAM, better wrestler, Probably a better athlete, less miles on him. He should be able to get his hand raised here, right? He should. First of all, don't ever forget Chuck Mendenhall is an OAM UFC t-shirt that he regularly wears. But this uh, should be OAM's moment. And I was going to ask you, Luke, like, when I do this, what do you think of? What do I think of? Yeah. What's the first I thought? think about your racism towards Asians. Exactly. You all, like, people like you, Luke, will wrongly... Jump at the race, the potential races, which it was, and we got through that already. The point of that was to tell you you were presenting a combat sports event to me that I might have should have cared about, but I was just being honest with you like you would have been to me in boxing and say, Luke, I don't care about it. You're going to go, we'll see you at the Waterbury Open next week. Yeah, sure. Right? Same thing right there. I felt like this for Ray and OAM, like coming in, looking at this. So I almost wanted to spin it on you and be like, I'm showing you my ignorance. Karate chop. I don't care about this fight. Why should I really care, though, Luke? Because I've picked and choose off the PFL menu, and I've largely liked the last two seasons what I've tasted. That <laughs> I'd love to see that Cage's SAT scores, first of all. Second of all, 
can you talk me into this like I just did to you with that heavyweight brawl or that women's fight in the main event? Not necessarily. I'll say this. Stevie Ray is a good submission artist uh, and obviously can strike a bit as well, you know, uh, but I think his submissions are pretty spectacular. The one that he got over Anthony Pettis was remarkable. He certainly is battle-tested. There's that as well. I mean, he is a, you know, he's a guy who's not going to be easy to beat for anyone, but... But the odds makers are friends at Caesars, minus 360 for OAM, plus 280 for Stevie Ray. OAM just looks to me like he's had to pass different kinds of challenges, in many ways tougher kinds of challenges. He looks fresher to this point, despite the fact that both guys have been around for some time, and he's more physical of the two, and he's got the wrestling advantage. Like, I don't know how exciting it will be, BC. I think that much remains to be seen. Yeah. Could be. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it won't be. I want to be very clear about that. I'm not saying it's going to suck. That's not my point. But if if OAM has to get to the wrestling and rely on it, I think that option is there. There are paths for Stevie Ray. They're just not great ones. This is this is OAM's fight to lose, as best I can tell. I hope OAM yeah. gets. It. I hope this. Is, I mean, he's he's got a chance to really show what he's done since leaving the UFC, and 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 this would be a great a great turn in the win streak to get that. Luke, I'm a little bit for more sure. excited though about that welterweight bout. You. Um, not as much, not as much. Um, Taylor versus C. Taylor is interesting at 25 years old. He has the loss to Magomed, Magomed Karamov, but that, you know, that dude is real good, real, real good. Um, and he's got the win obviously over, he stopped Rory McDonald and, and he's got wins over Joan Severino. So he's got like some legit wins. C is good. He, he hasn't had a stoppage, I think since 2019, you correct me if I'm wrong, the body kick he hit over, um. Mashad, um, I interviewed him right around that time. And since then, he's just been kind of a decision machine. I think he's got a win over Rory as well, if memory serves. Let me double check that. They both? Uh, yes. Okay, I'll did. tell you he what did. they both have. They so both have the, recent the wins. C is a good athlete. He trains uh, at Extreme Couture. He made the move out of All-Stars to Extreme Couture. He's got a lot going for himself, but I've not been moved in the kind of way you might imagine. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a fun fight. I mean, both, like you said, have recently beaten Rory, but both have a have their last defeat having come against Magomed Karimov, who's on the undercard of this card, by the way, and not in the championship. They both are. Luke, they're both long. They're, they can be selective and patient, but once they get going in a fight, they both tend to take chances and, and, and go after it. Uh, I think it's going to be a wild fight. I do. I think it's going to be an interesting fight to see who kind of has next in this division for PFL because Rory fizzled out. Magomed Karimov didn't make it back here. Um, both of these guys in their wins over Rory, particularly, which got a lot of attention, seemed to overwhelm him and kind of force him, you know, force the fight out of him. I'm interested to see what they can do against each other, Luke. And uh, Magomed Karanoff, by the way, uh, he he's he knocked out Taylor this season, but not. But was he in the tournament? I don't even know his situation, Luke. That's the only fight he had this calendar year. He'll be on the undercard there. He last lost in the 21 championship by knockout to Ray Cooper the third, who also didn't make the finals here. But you know, um, we would have picked anyone else but these two guys. It seems coming into this year's tournament. And look at where they are now, Luke. Let's give them a chance to, to go out there and let their hands go and, and do this thing. Okay, I'm into this. Get me yeah, in. Yeah, I forgot exactly how Megamed Karamov ended up not here. He did have the fight against Joao Zeferino. They got canceled twice. Okay. Um, and uh, he has the bout against Lisa Tebow coming up. So I think he just didn't have enough to advance in the tournament or he must have gotten injured and some part of it was moved. I forgot. I, I, yeah, they I had a lot of too. quiet, like, 
COVID things that knocked people out of the tournament, I believe, Luke, and travel visa yes. travel issues, right? Yes, that was it as well, yes. So there was a lot of issues that caused cha- you know late changes or guys getting shots that they would otherwise would not have. Still, uh, Taylor's only 25 years old. He's a young guy. He's actually pretty good, so it should be kind of fun. And then last but not least, BC, again, two UFC vets at, at uh, middleweight previously, Omari Akhmedov and then Rob Wilkinson. Rob Wilkinson, of course, was the guy that Izzy fought in his UFC debut. And Akhmedov had a fight, I think, with Weidman not too recently when he was still with UFC. I think yeah. it, it might be Weidman's last fight, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it's Weidman's last win, right? Or, last no, he wins. beat Weidman. Yeah. Me, yes. No, he lost um, to Weidman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Our, yes, Akhmedov- it's Weidman. Weidman won that one. But since then, since then, he beat Tom Breeze, and then he moved on after losing to Brad Tavares. He, he fought Jordan Young. He lost. Okay, fine. But for this season, he beat Victor Pesta, I think also a UFC vet. Uh, a dude whose last name I cannot pronounce, he won via arm triangle. And then Josh Sil- Silvera, who is the son of Conan, who was this up-and-coming prospect who was looking pretty good. Omari gets the win of him. Rob Wilkinson ballooned a little bit. He was always kind of a wrestle-heavy type, right? So he makes his PFL debut. He beats Bruce uh, Suto. Then he beat the same guy in Victor Pesta and then Delon Monte. And then he did it in spectacular fashion. By the way, all three wins in the PFL come by way of stoppage for Wilkinson. He looks good, BC. Well, uh, Omari Akhmedov is tough. He's yeah. hard to like really kind of stick it to for long periods of time. So that's going to make this a little bit of a of a. I don't think it's going to be an immediate bulldozing. I like Wilkinson's chances here, dude. He's looking do. like a brand new man. Because I, I'm not sold on Omar, Omar Yakmedov. Those two losses and three fights to end his UFC run and then to get stopped in his PFL debut. I know he's turned it around since then, Luke, but you know, he seemed he looks better than he is in some ways. You know what I mean? Like there's some parts of his game that 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 I want to see him more dominant on the ground. I know he's willing on the feet, but this is Wilkinson's fight to win. And there and again, like OAM, there's a there is that redemption possibility. Same thing, of course, in the Bubba Jenkins fight. So um I, I like Wilkinson. Well, I'm I'm looking trying to see what the odds were on this one. Luke, did you see that? Um All right, it's Wilkinson or, minus two fifty plus one. Yes. Plus 190 on some of these lines is uh, Akhmedov. So, uh, you know, I would say, though, that I care about this the least tied with the uh, Ray OAM fight. You know, I'm just I'm just being honest with you. Uh, I think the Ray fight is a little bit better. Candidly, I like it a little bit better. All right. Um, I'm looking at the uh, PFL welterweight semi uh, the playoffs here. And it was it was Roy McDonald versus Delano Taylor and Saad Busi versus Carlos Leal. And so, of course, you get C versus Taylor. I'm trying to see what happened in the quarterfinals of that round. I don't have that in front of me. I'll try and dig that up, how Megamed Karamov ended up not being here. But those were your semis, so that ended up being what we got in the end. All right, BC, um, some fight announcements. Would love to hear what you have Whoa, to think about and say about You're going to just brush over the Marish Bowl? You're not going to mention that Marlon at 34 we, we, is I making... I mean, what is, there, what is there to say? Okay, well, he's lost, you know, four in a row by knockout in five out of his last six. Can he survive a loss here to Shaman Marais? <laughs> I thought he was retired. I thought he did retire. Okay. Uh, and then he's back. Um, I don't love this fight. I think he should retire. Um, I think he's taken a lot of damage. I think it's really changed him, and I worry about his brain health going forward. All right, and the second biggest betting favorite is also on that prelim card, Natan Schultz, when he takes on Jeremy Stevens. So there you go. Right. Natan Schultz is pretty, pretty, pretty clever, disciplined striker. He should be able to win that against this version of Stevens. Again, also Magomed Karimov against Gleason Tebow. I would imagine Magomed. I Karimov like that fight. Yeah, that. that's a good fight. Yeah, that that actually is one of the better fights on the card, quite candidly. All right, fight announcements. BC. This one is a surprise to me. This one is a surprise to me. Not 
Well, let me back that up. I get that, again, people don't understand. The matchmakers try to make certain fights, and then it falls through, and then they have to go to plan B, plan C, plan D, and so on. They ended up with Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny at UFC 283. Now, Neil Magny's coming off of a great win. Burns coming off of that loss to Hamza Chimaya, but again, something of a redemptive loss such that they exist because he performed quite well. Some people, in fact, thought he actually won. BC, we thought they were going to make Burns versus Jorge Masvidal, and they didn't. There was some chirping back and forth in social media. They ended up here. I don't hate this fight necessarily, and if Burns is washed from the Chimaya fight or, like, you know, shopworn as a consequence, then this one could be kind of close. But if Burns is still pretty fresh, it shouldn't be, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like anything about this fight. It feels what it appears to be is like neither had anywhere else to go, but, you know, they're both fighters and they want to be active and they want to get out there. And it's not that there's no potential stakes in this fight. I mean, it's a much bigger fight for Magny without question. But, I, you know, you don't event, you don't at the same time leap to the front of the line. It's not that type of fight. And I felt for Gilbert Burns, you know, considering the performance he was willing to put out against Shemaev and that he was willing to take that fight when people didn't want to, I kind of echo what was his words, what we talked about him coming into that Shemaev fight when we sat down with him, you know? I feel like he should be should have been in the conversation for the Jorge fight or the Covington fight. And I know him and Jorge went back and forth, and I don't know whose side to believe all that stuff. Was it possible that he could have waited based on Jorge's most recent suggestion and fought Jorge on a pay-per-view, you know, co-main in, in Europe underneath uh, the trilogy of Usman in, in Edwards? That seems to me a much better fight. I don't, I mean, if you're Gilbert outside of staying busy and, you know, getting another paycheck and getting to do what you love, you don't gain much at all from this fight. I mean, you know, Neil Magny is the kind of guy that people just don't look good against. And I'm not here to say Neil Magny shouldn't get the opportunity at this level of fight. No, I'm not here to say that. I'm just saying this is a surprise and I don't think they both benefit from it. And I think that's what you sort of would want from a fight like this. That's probably pretty fair. I mean, what's, what stands out to me, what's so interesting is it, there are certain questions that follow a fighter, no matter what the fight booking but it is also true that certain questions get raised specific to the fight booking. Let me give you an example. If we were doing Gilbert Burns versus Hamzat Chemaev 2, we would not be asking in the same way the kind of questions we are now that he's fighting Neil Magny, where you're like, well, gee, maybe, maybe he is kind of long in the tooth, and maybe that fight did really wear him down. In other words, like who you get pit, pitted against either elevates the, the tenor of the questions or kind of brings about more criticism depending on which way the matchmaking goes in the booking itself. And I think by getting matched against Neil Magny, who again is a very talented fighter, and it, and if Burns, in fact, is not up to par, this is a very winnable fight for Magny in that sense. But if Burns is who we think he is, this should be relatively straightforward. It's just kind of interesting to me that getting booked against someone who you are perceived to be widely better than makes the questions about Gilbert Burns trend towards the lowering side not the elevating side and i don't know how fair that is or even accurate but it tends to follow that path one way or the other you think that's fair i do i do think that's fair i mean would, would if you if this was instead Bilal versus gilbert we would all be like yeah sure great right, right. like right. winner probably gets a title shot right Right. I just don't feel that that's the same thing here. And I thought Magny was in the single digits of rankings. And, you know, you can argue that he might deserve it. No, he's like, he's on the outside looking in. I just, uh, man, I mean, good to both for, for signing up. And it's not that the fight sucks. There is an element where it could be, 
you know, look, if, if, if Magni can neutralize Gilbert's explosiveness, it may not be the most entertaining fight, but it'll probably work out great in the end. I just feel like Gilbert Burns showed you against Chemaev that he's two things at the same time right now. He's an aging, respected brand who will give you the goods of an action fight no matter how you, ma- you, know, you match him, but he's also a sneaky title contender still. So, you know, this... It's not, you know, it's not Anderson Silva versus Derek Brunson, but I did have a similar, really? We're, yeah. we're doing that? You Speaking know? of Derek Brunson, uh, we move on. He is out. So now Jack Hermanson's going to fight Roman Delidze, which is set for UFC Orlando December 3. BC, thoughts on Hermanson versus Delidze? Yeah, I think it's going to be a great fight because I because you know Hermanson's sneaky. He's definitely skilled, but he loves to fight and 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 he's willing to to lean on that to get through there. And I think Roman Delizze in a short burst of late is showing people that he wants to be a hammer. He wants us to consider him, you know, hammer time in that larger conversation. So it, it feels like a step up opportunity for him and for mm-hmm. a replacement. I like it. And look, is he officially Cheyenne's man's, or are we just we're done with that conversation? Don't care. Not my business. I mean, did she move to Europe for him? I mean, poor poor JP, but you know, that happens. Once again, don't care, not my business. Um, but I will say this, BC. This is, Jack Hermanson can't be fucking around here. No. This is, uh, the leads they look to me like massively improved over the last couple of fights he's had. He's a heavy hitter. Hermanson, I watched his, I told you I bought and watched his entire seminar on Ground and Pound. It was actually pretty good. But he's at the point now where he's trying to hang on to the spot he's got and it feels like that connection's a little bit slipping. Delizze could come in there and then close that whole show completely by getting a big win here. So that's big stakes in that one if Delizze can avoid the ground and pound and the control on the ground thereafter. Look, BC- do you think Hermanson is in a spot where some veterans get to where you're like, I've gotten pretty far, but I have juggled wins and losses. You know, there were times it looked like I was making my move into real contention. And then, you know, I mean, split decision with Sean Strickland. It was a tough fight. He fought his balls off. Is there sort of a crossroads point you get to, and he's 34, where you're like, am I done improving? Like, you know, if I mm. go out there and try to outsmart and outskill and, and you know, beat people straight up, or am I at a point where I need to take what I've built up and the skills I have and get a, not full on Michael Chandler, but get to the point where it's like my best chance is is, is to go for it and, and, and be that, 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 you know, that, that hammer that you're going to have to get past to get to your next stop. Um, I would just say at 34, the way it goes for most people is at 34, it's not that you can't add new things, right? You can, but you they're very small at that point, right? You are at your genetic and work development close to, not, not at it, but you're close to your peak. It's not like you are at 24 where you still have a lot of time left to add a lot of stuff. By 34, you mo- not not totally but you more or less are who you are. You can add different strategies. You can add different things for particular fights. You can still work on your overall skill development, but the increments are much slower to gain and they're much smaller in size to achieve. So you you, you have to make a choice then, to your point, about what kind of fight you want to pursue thereafter. Do you want to just be a little bit more reckless and, and uh, offensively geared or not? But either way, the skills you have developed by age 34 is more or less heavyweights notwithstanding, is more or less just who you are at that point. Um, that, that's the sort of challenge that anyone at that age and those kind of weight divisions is up against. BC, this is a fun one. Drew Dober is back. Ready for this one? Taking on Bobby Green. This will be UFC Vegas 66, December 17th. I gotta tell you, I like this fight. This is a fun little one, right? Huh? 
Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm into that. I mean, yeah, I'm with you, Luke. You are in. I, I, you know what's funny? I can't even be mad at your choices per se, but I can't quite get a read on which fights you like and which fights you don't. Well, I'm, a, I'm an absolute weirdo, Luke. Okay, so it's you know it's a it's a pattern that's hard to follow. But uh, uh, you know we all have our favorites, Luke. Okay, I mean you all know right, fair enough. I won't spend much time. Ryan Spann versus Anthony Smith wasn't my cup of tea on paper back in the day. You know and that's yeah, fine. All right, I've you, come. Not to everyone, not everyone likes it. All right, BC, you got to like this one. Umar Nurmagomedov, who is still undefeated, taking on Hayoni Barcelos. This will be January 14th. BC, bit of trivia for you. All the way back. Let's see when was this? All the way back in. 2019, back at UFC on ESPN Plus 23, Barcelos defeated Saeed Nurmagomedov, who is related but sort Ooh. of on the outs and a bit of a different character. Um, what do you think, BC? You like I'm really not? excited for this fight. They, uh, you know, Hani Hani's going to bring it and he's going to go for it. And this this fight's going to be a little bit wild at times. And but you know, the pressure is on Umar now, right? You know, it's like Islam just had his moment. Usman Nurmagomedov just had his moment. It couldn't be a better time to be coach, you know, on Team Habib and the larger Javier Mendez, a.k.a. family there. But specifically, you know, you hear the people saying, no, Umar's better than them all. He doesn't have like that same exact hype that like Shavkat has every time he comes out now. But he looked great in his last win. And I, and I feel like he, he knows what time it is. It's time to come out and impress again. So I think that's going to make this fight very interesting to watch, Luke. And you know, there's a good name for Umar to go up against right now to kind of continue to remind us that he's coming on. I mean, I don't know how far away he is, though, Luke, if he wins this, but he's entering the larger conversation, as is that team, which is taking over the sport at the moment. True or false? Yeah, definitely true that they're taking yeah, over. True. He's 26. He's got three fights in the UFC. He beat Sergey Morozov via rear naked choke in his UFC debut in 2021. Then he beat Brian Kelleher via rear naked choke in 2022. And then he had the fight against Nate Maness this year in June and while and while that one went to a decision I think some of the scores were like you know 30 25 and dude he looked and sensational like against Manus yeah. as he likes to pronounce it he looked sensational Manus, um so that one's a fun one that should be a fun one January 14th BC this one's got your name written all over it Macy Barber is back against Andrea Lee March 25th that is a big fight for Lee, who has been kind of very much up and down, down of late. Macy Barber, up of late in general. Tough yeah, fight this, at 125. Does it, what's the setting for this fight? Is this a, is this a co-main or something? Because doesn't it feel like... That I, I don't know. Let me see. I don't feel like this is a step forward for Macy in terms of matchmaking. Am I wrong? I mean, let's let's look at it. Uh, so she's, No, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Where, what is... Uh, what? Let me. I could look it up myself, but what is Angela ranked? Uh, okay, so currently, Angela oh, Lee, if we're looking at women's flyweight, right? That's the division in question here. Uh, you've got Andrea Lee sitting at nine. You've got Macy Barber sitting at 12. Yeah, dude, okay. I think there's so, nothing wrong with this fight. Ranking rise, it does make a lot of sense. I didn't realize Barber, or, I'm sorry, I didn't realize Lee was that high. But yeah. look at three, the three-fight win streak for Barber after that you know, surprising back-to-back -back losses, although I still think that Alexa Grasso one uh, was closer than some do. You know, beat Miranda Maverick, beat Montana De La Rosa, and then beat former title challenger Jessica I. So, Luke, I think she's found the adjustments, you know, probably more mentally that, that, that she's needed to following that bad string. So, ratings-wise, this is the fight she has to take. Um, I like her to win this, and I like her to win this big, Luke. Yeah, it could, it could certainly be that way. Obviously, you have 
Barber's on a win streak. She has the win over Miranda Maverick, which was a little bit contested. She obviously beat uh, Montana De La Rosa and then, you know, Jessica I more recently. Lee has had, again, her share of ups and downs. She's had her issues, to put it quite mildly, but is a very good striker, well-rounded for the most part, um, experienced. It, this is this is I like this fight a lot. I don't have, I don't have much negative to say about it. Uh, what, BC, you had, but that was a loaded weapon you were waving when you were like, you know, had her issues. Did you mean like with men or tattoos or both, or just fighting? Just fighting, BC. Oh, right. um, you know, again, I think she has had some outside the issue, uh, outside the cage issues, some of which she is the victim of, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, in other cases, probably some poor choices, but you know, I don't wish poor things upon her. All right, BC. This is a fun one, and you know this is true. Bellator 291, man, I'm telling you, if you didn't see the first one, it fucking rules. The rematch, Logan Storley versus Yaroslav Amasov has been set. Bellator 291, this is going to be scheduled for February 25th. Now, the original date was February 4th, but now we know that CBS show is there, so they're going to move it to later on that month. BC, I saw the first one. Now, it was a three-round fight, and it was close. One of the best wrestling battles you'll ever see, and you're like, oh, I saw Logan Storley versus MVP, and that fight was boring. Right. Bro, <laughs> Amasov ain't MVP. Not yeah, that guy. Yeah. This dude can wrestle his ass off. They were scrambling back and forth. This was very closely contested. We haven't seen him since the war in Ukraine got started, and then some BC. Yeah, big, there's a, big fight. Okay, there's a lot to love about this fight that go beyond just, hey, go watch their first one. It was three, you know, it was a track meet of, of you know, of grappling and, and, and exchanging on the feet, but this is in Dublin, Luke. We got to add that element to it. This is going to be soaked in that Dublin sauce in Ireland. Every time Bellator goes there, it feels like, you know, UFC International Fight Week or the Super Bowl or something. Dude, the like the only thing I don't love about this fight right now, I always knew they would rematch and it would be great and it would probably have a title on the line. I never doubted that. It's just the scoring in that close fight between Storley and MVP you know, I think under you know, it's tough with the with the very gray way of looking at the letter of the law, but I feel like MVP won that, but he didn't. So we go right into this rematch. Um, it's it's not going to be like that, like you mentioned. The contrast in styles aren't aren't setting us up to have have a schnoozer here. And you add in the we haven't seen the champion since this conflict broke out, and you know some you know a lot of fighters put down their their career plans at the moment and, and join the front line in some form, you know, Lomachenko, Usyk, all those guys. And you, dude, you tip the hat to them for that. Um, it seems like Amosov was like in deeper than most. Like this wasn't like a desk job. You know, he was actually, you know, protecting neighborhoods and, and, and uh, you know, remember that, that video where he found his belt. It was, it was touching. He's also going to have to answer for the time off here too, against a guy who's hungry and was close that first time around. Yeah, I couldn't ask for anything more for Bellator from this fight. The date, the, the placement, all that stuff. This is going to be a good one. And this division uh, is good. It's good right now, Luke. And so I want to see if MVP, who's not getting any younger either, can can find that that itch to get back, it, you know, despite that Mike Perry sidestep, and and get back into this title picture because I think he, he got as close as he can come to finally having his moment as well. But uh, the way that we know these two fight, Emisov and your boy Storley, you can't be wrong here. This is going to be good. I don't. I don't know who comes out on top, given all the questions and circumstances here. Luke. Well, Am- Storley Amosov has improved. Amosov is not quite the wrestler Storley is, but he's very, very good. Surprisingly good, and he's definitely more well rounded. But with all the time off, you know, you just don't know what to make of it all. You just don't know what to yeah. make of it all. So, and Storley stepped out. his game up to a, to some degree with striking, 
But not yes. completely. Not completely. Not completely. That's you know, right. He's got a That's lot right. of work to do still. And remember, Storley could just wrestle balls out the first time because it was only three rounds. This one's for five. This one's for five. So it's a and it's a title unification because remember Storley's the interim champion and then Amosov is the champion sort of at large. And now they're going to unify these titles for five rounds. You know, you've got to strike some of that time, and Amosov is just much better in that in that way. So we'll see how that goes. That's a fun fight that they got booked. Uh, another Bellator fight, and I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. Bellator 289, Denise Kilholtz taking on Ilara Joan. They both have losses to Kana Watanabe. Um, Kilholtz obviously has got a black belt in judo, but is sort of known as a kickboxer. Uh, Joanne can is sort of you know largely well rounded. Uh, I think prefers to strike as well. No strong thoughts, BC, unless you do. No, no, I think I think Kilholtz, you know, she got into a title shot. She 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 tried late in her career to put it all together, and she's you know she's made the transition in full time into the sport. I like the effort she put in, but it wasn't enough. She wasn't offensive enough, and she lost her title shot. This is her getting back to the table and seeing, do I have one more big run left in me? You know, um, when she's active on the feet, and I know a lot of times she's she's a smaller fighter in these matchups and gives up a lot of length, but when she can be explosive and dart in and out, I mean, she she's a fun fighter to watch. It, it'll be interesting to see is she gonna which direction is she going after after having her close up opportunity in Bellator. I still think she's among the best in this division, so this will be a tough fight. All right, Damon Jackson taking on Dan Ige. Damon Jackson has climbed his way up. Dan Ige had certainly climbed his way up previously, but is now looking to get back there. Tough fight against two well-rounded veterans. This will be January 14th at the UFC Apex. Not massive stakes for the division per se, BC at 145, but definitely big stakes for their individual careers. Biggest fight Jackson's had to date, and Ige is a tough competitor, to put it quite mildly. I, I've always feared for Ige that when it when it does start not going his way, it could turn quick, Luke, because he fights a very aggressive power puncher style for a guy that I don't think has enough weapons to fight that style consistently. Is that is that a fair categorization, or am I just a just a jerk and probably off a bit on it? Too? I don't think it's totally off. Jackson was a guy who needed time to figure himself out, and I think he's finally done that. Ige was a guy who flew close to the sun, and like Icarus, got a little bit burned. But, you know, both guys have, these are two guys who are probably, fair to say, not the very best in their division, but two guys who are intensely motivated to get better off of losses. And I know all of them are, but these are the guys who actually make those corner turns. So this is a, this is a fun and tough one. Jackson's probably going to wrestle a lot this time. So it's going to be incumbent upon Ige to really work on that portion of his game, which is not bad, but probably not the best portion of his game. So that'll be a fun one. And then last but not least, BC... Uh, we can. It's not. We'll do a weekend boxing preview here in just a minute. There was some confusion, and understandable because you got two Garcias named, and there's one signed and one's not. Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia are tentatively set to fight later in 2023 after one or potentially both of them have what you could consider tune-up fights or early fights or however you want to phrase it. In the case of Gervonta Davis, he'll be in Washington D.C. I think January 7th taking on Hector Luis Garcia. Now, if you don't know who Garcia is, this is a different Garcia. It's not Ryan Garcia. This Garcia, BC, we talked about it on this show, was the one who upset Chris Colbert and surprised us big time. So let me pitch to you the question this way. How much of a challenge is this Garcia for Tank Davis? Uh, more than people realize, I'll say that. And I get what people are saying. Like, I want to see Ryan Garcia against Tank right now. Hopefully we'll get it in April on pay-per-view in Las Vegas. Can't wait. And it looks like Ryan Garcia, by the way, is all is going to do an interim fight, according to reporting from Dan Rayfield, January 21st, 
no location, no opponent yet, and whether it's going to be a pay-per-view. So you can look at this and just say, well, it's not Ryan Garcia, and this is really Tank coming back on pay-per-view to set up and preview that big showdown. And that's true. It is. But don't sleep on Hector Luis Garcia for this standpoint. Not just that upset win over Colbert, which kicked the doors in. Then he fought for the title against Roger Gutierrez at 130 pounds, and he won it. And uh, he is from the Dominican Republic. He's very crafty, very smart in the ring and durable. And look, I bring up that trainer's name a lot, Bob Santos, who's been in the business forever, but is really starting to become a leading man. And he's, you know, Carlos Adamas' trainer. I mean, Andre Durab. There's a lot of guys he's joining with. I think he was with Ugas for a while recently. That guy is, is hot right now and on a run in terms of game planning against the opponent. That, yeah, you look at this, okay, Gervonta Davis should handle this guy who's moving up and taking the challenge against him. But the two unbeaten fighters and Hector Luis Garcia has the type of seasoning that could very well make this a tough style matchup for, for Tank. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Man, I hope they put Ryan Garcia in the front row for that fight. And I hope Tank's in the front row for whoever Garcia fights a couple weeks later. Because this is the type of the fight... Tank versus Raw guy that demands a, a real build, a real bang the drums media tour, you know, and sometimes we don't always love when they do the interim fight to set it up. You know, Tyson Fury's doing that coming up ahead of hopefully him fighting Usyk, but sometimes that ends up being the best way to, to, to bang the drum and build it, but Tank's going to have to earn it on this night. Do not sleep on Hector Luis Garcia. I'm going to be looking I forward to it. I tell you too, I am so happy to have a home game. Oh man, I am yeah. so happy to have a home game. Dude, I was thinking about this before. There's been some fights at National Harbor, uh, including that, um, uh, who was it? Maxim, uh, the, the, the the poor guy who died. Uh, yeah, actually. yeah. Uh, um, um, Gadishov or something like that. I forget his last name. I, I apologize. Um, there, there's been some fights here. Uh, Teofimo Lopez fought at MGM National Harbor, which is right outside the city in Oxon Hill, Maryland. And, of course, there's been some Jimmy Lang cards and some other ones. You, you actually had Danny Swift Garcia. Or sorry, Danny... Um, not Swift Garcia. You had um, Jared Hurd. Jared Swift Hurd, excuse me. Jared Hurd taking on J-Rock over at the now Eagle Bank Arena, which used to be the Patriot Center on the campus of George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. But in terms of city limits, BC, which this fight is going to take place at the Capital One Arena, which is where the Wizards play, which is where the, the Capitals play. This is the biggest fight in the city since Amir Khan versus Lamont Spence. Maybe the, the fight I've loved covering more than Lamont any Peterson, other fight but... I've ever had. So I... What do I say? Yeah. Lamont, Lamont Peterson. Excuse me. Lamont Peterson. Um, him and his brother, Anthony. Uh, Lamont Peterson taking on Amir Khan. The, the, I, I got to tell you, so excited to not just have a home game, have a home game right in the center of the city. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had Gary Russell Jr. fighting there in Oxford, Maryland, but to be in the city, to have the stakes, you know, yeah, you got to go back almost to like the Riddick Bow days to back when they were really big fights in D.C. And uh, the fighter you mentioned, unfortunately, at the uh, MGM National Harbor in 2019 that passed away, that was Maxim Dadashev. So we want to get Dadashev, that right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, tragic and horrible situation. But yeah, Luke, it's B.C. and D.C. It's Tank picking out another city and let's see if he can go in there like he's been able to do one by one and, you know, bring the hype, sell the place out, you know, do a big box office and get so much of that celebrity clientele ringside. But if uh, there's been some rumors that like maybe Boots Ennis could be on this card in a very interesting matchup. So <laughs> if they can add that, you know, and sweeten the pot on the pay-per-view, we'll see what happens with that. Um, this would be a very fun night. I'm excited to be on the ground. Can we get can we get Jacob in the bullpen with the doc cams? I mean, BC and DC is a thing, Luke, right? It should yeah. be. And I'll just say this, you know, I don't, I obviously don't speak for the local boxing community, but based on the read that I'm getting, I'll use a little bit of DC lingo. DC, even though Tank is a Baltimore guy, DC gets sized for Tank Davis. Make no mistake about it. They're going to show up big time for this one. All right, BC, topic number four. 
Don't have a whole lot to say about it, but I do like the idea. I wanted to pitch it to you if it's from Arnold Allen, but I don't mind it. All right, so Arnold Allen wants a fight with Max Holloway. Max Holloway, of course, uh, had that terrible loss at UFC 276 to Volkanovski, who we now have anointed as the pound-for-pound best fighter in the sport, certainly also since um, Kamaru Usman had lost. Here's what he said about missing out on an interim title fight. He said, my whole career has kind of been like this. It's been a blessing in disguise, and my goal is never to be an interim champion. I want to be the full-on champion, so it would have been nice to be a part of that. But yeah, always work for something better. And then he says, of course, who he wants to fight. He says, a lot of people are saying Max is the fight to make. That would be a fun one. I don't see why not. And also, I think a win over him would be a bigger statement. And then you throw your interim in the bin, right? BC, we know the interim is going to be on the fight on the Perth card uh, yeah. between Emmett and Rodriguez, which I'm all in favor of. So you can't have another interim, interim belt. If you're going to find a fight for Max and you're going to find a fight for Arnold Allen, I love pitting those two together. And here's the thing. Everyone says Max should go to 155. Maybe eventually. I don't know if that's an immediately a very good call or even long-term. I don't know if it's a very good call, even though he's a huge 145-er. Do you like Arnold Allen's idea? I do, because this is the the, the only thing remaining in this weight class like, that that's like as good of a title shot for him. He's won 12 in a row, Arnold Allen, so you can either wait around and hope your number gets pulled soon, although that interim title that, that got booked there makes things even harder. This is the closest way to get a lot of attention and prove yourself. And if Max decides to do this and sort of it announces, in, in, you know, in terms of my perspective as him going back under and going for another run at the belt, which is I think Max is at an interesting crossroads given how one-sided that wa- loss was. Granted, it did come against the pound-for-pound king and the champion of Volkanovski, but in a series that was noted for how close and disputed it was, I mean, ain't nothing disputed about that. So Max, I think, had has a lot of questions right now. Do you take a lot of time off? Do you walk away from the game? Do you reinvent yourself at 155? Or do you go back to the drawing board and, and do what you do? This is that if he picks Arnold Allen, that's telling us the answer of where he's going. And it ain't an easy test at all, but uh, it'd be probably Max's best opportunity to get right back in there and prove it against the the next best guy available that he's still got it. So it'd be a lot of intrigue here, Luke. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't say I'm fearful for Max. It's like, okay, one bad night at the, you know, one bad night at the office, but we're just not used to seeing him get bloodied and battered, right? We're just not yeah, used to fully that. bloodied and battered. Like he got. I mean, and even it, against it, it, I, I even against it, I, Poirier, where you felt like for most dude, of that he fight, rocked Poirier several times in that fight. Right. So even though in most of that fight, I felt like Max can't win this. Like he's at a dis. You know, he's, if he can't knock out Poirier, he can't win this. He still would just make surges that you're like, holy shit, right, dude? There was that that life was not in him against Volk. I'm I am afraid. I am I'm afraid, Luke. I'm afraid. I'm afraid too. I thought that last fight against Volk, the thing that. You know, again, I always say this, like who you're cheering for or who you're not cheering for. You always, I think the fairest thing you can do is no matter who you like or dislike, you got to cheer for a fair outcome. That's it. Just a fair outcome. And you got a fair outcome in that fight, UFC 276. And Volkanovski was just better. And he was better by a lot. And that if you're a Max fan or someone like me who likes Max a lot, you know, that's a hard thing to watch and a hard thing to accept. But it is the truth. That's just what happened. And so one of the questions we had leading into that week, BC, when we sat down with him, was, you know, man, what about all the damage? Dude, he took a lot more even in that fight, you know? So it's a real question of, like, he's a young guy uh, numerically, but the miles are starting to add up, and Arnold Allen looks to be the best he's ever been. He's sitting at four. Max is still sitting at number one in terms of the rankings. Of course, you might say, well, okay, but before that, look what Max did to Calvin Cater. Is there some version of that still available? We don't know the answer. I guess we're going to find out. But for all these reasons that you've articulated now me, 
it is a good fight. It's a great fight, and I would love to see it if they can make it. I do believe that. Hey, Luke, I know we already filmed our uh, our holiday mailbag, and we like, we thank all the viewers who responded to our tweet or emailed us to our email address. We just got a like a last minute one though from our boss Brian Daly of Showtime, who we love and respect and and uh, big fan of. Us? He tweeted back at my offering a couple days ago, you know, soliciting uh, viewer questions. And his question is, uh, would Luke consider a MK live show at the Newark Penn Station? <laughs> is there like an inside joke in there, Luke? I mean, you know, you love that place. You love that place. <coughs> Dude. The Newark train station. I cannot overstate this. <laughs> It's as it's as close to Calcutta as you're gonna get. I mean, it's really it's just I will go horrendous. third world on your ass. Yeah, it's just horrendous. I mean, if you're not being screamed at by homeless people, um, or watching cops tase someone, you're still watching a fist fight out front between, you know, parents and children or you know, some other kind of just site of urban blight and we've we've talked about the fact that the new york city train station the old one penn station was terrible and that's true i saw i saw a homeless guy shaving his pubic hair in the sink at one of those places if you can really wrap your head around that that's a fun little fucking moment (laughs) right i told you that story right yeah 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 there were were like asian tourists and if you've ever been to like tokyo dude like you could eat off the floor of the subways in tokyo like you cannot imagine how clean they are I can only imagine what like Japanese tourists see when they come to the United States. They're like, holy fucking shit. There's a homeless man shaving his balls in the sink at the at the public bathroom. Dude, Newark train station is worse than that. It is worse than that. Um, I have to spend time there as all the time because that's what I have to get off to go. That's to the do, sacrifice do. you make, Luke. Yeah. Jesus, dude. If we did a show from there, we would leave that show with Ebola, COVID, influenza, and then diseases they don't even have named. They don't even wow. have names for them shits yet. And you would have them, bro. All in one go. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to do a live show there, Luke. Yeah, that Fuck ups the that, ante, dude. right? It's the Fuck energy. That. It's just dude, grimy. And I've, been, you know? I've, taken the, I've been to all the train stations between here and Boston. I've been, I've been to all of them. Philly's train station on 30th Street, it's pretty nice. It's not so bad, right? It's pretty good, actually. Uh, Union stations used to be better here in D.C., but it's way better than any of those ones. The new... The new train station in New York called the Moynihan Station is actually, like, really nice. They completely redid it, and it's so great. That's across the street from MSG. But, like, dude, up and down, there's a lot of shitty ones. And among the major ones, the Newark train station. Holy fuck. If you are looking to get communicable diseases, boy, do I have the place for you. Okay? Look, for some go. people, that that's just, you know, that's their sta- that's their home. That's their train. That's their factory town, okay? That's their train station. That's just how it is, all right? Yeah, yeah, those people aren't going anywhere in life. Let me assure you. All right, uh, BC. They're going on a train to nowhere, okay? Yes, yes. I'm a train to death. I'm on a train from Newark that's going fucking nowhere. All right, BC. Okay, what if we win? You know that there's like another award out there we haven't almost won maybe yet? Look, I think it's, uh, they do it, that one in Vegas that we won last year, we did the documentary. The I World think the MMA award, Awards, yeah. We don't know I think the award ceremony is in December, and, and thank you to everyone who voted for us, and hopefully uh, Aaron Bronstead, a friend of the program, can win, and hopefully we can win, and all that stuff. Whatever, we'll see what happens. If we win that, though, remember the last time we like promised the people, if we win that, we'll give you a live show in Vegas. Feel these margaritas, Brian Campbell. I mean, we were all there, it happened. <laughs> 
What do we give the people if we win again? I mean, the Newark train station idea is decent for a live show, but uh, I don't know. What do we do then? Do we go global? Do we we have to go international? Do we have to like... The thing is, dude, we can't do a show in the Newark train station because we'd have to set fire to all the gear afterwards to properly clean it. Um, So I don't want to do that. Uh, what about what about inter? We are a global brand, right? What about inter? I don't know, maybe Australia. I mean, I love going to the far. UK. I will say, I will. I'll say go to New Delhi. Show. New Delhi, MK in New Delhi, India. No, that's that's again, dude. Traveling to the other side of the world takes too long. Fuck all that. Okay. Okay. But the UK is only six to seven hours away from uh, DC or JFK. So um, you could do that. Ireland, I do. You know, I really want to go because I think I'm telling you. I've said this before. Wales, right? I've been that's all. Over, I've been all over Europe. I've been all over Europe. Okay. This is not debatable. Although I will say there are other nice people that are that are pretty close. But dude, the nicest people in Europe are the Irish. The nicest. I mean, just not even a, and especially compared to, you know, I, I like the Brits. The Brits are great, but the Irish, they are nicer. They're just nicer. So um Imagine if that we did, then then all my Welshmen can come see me. Mike Owens Media from Liverpool could hang out with us. We could, yeah. you know, we could Oh, Gareth A. Davis, dude, we could be swinging. Well, he would have to sit outside. I mean, he's a little weird. But. All right. I don't know. Look, I don't know how long this 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 run that we're on is going to last, but everything we touch is gold. All right? I got gold uh, balls, Luke. Okay? It's fantastic. All right. They're just clanging. All right, BC, yeah. last but not least, we do have some weekend boxing stuff to get to. Yeah, this so will be three, quick. This will be th- quick. Yeah, yeah, no worries. The three biggest fights that we have, as you mentioned before, Rougarou is back. Regis Progre taking on Jose Zapata. That's fun. That'll be on pay-per-view, which is all right. Well, can but, we start there before you on, read them all? I just want to get I just want to get the big names out, then we'll, well go. Well, why back don't we go quickly. one by one? I mean, I don't because, get I don't because get. this is because I am hosting and I would like to do it this way. Also, we create very quickly on a separate card on DAZN. You have Dillian White and Jermaine Franklin, and then on ESPN Plus, Zach Parker taking on John Ryder. Getting back to Progre versus Cepeda, BC. It is on pay per view, but I got to tell you, of the other main events, I like this one the best. This is a great fight. The problem is that it. It's going to be on independent pay-per-view and nobody's going to buy it. And I'm sorry to say that out loud, but it's true. This is for a vacant 140-pound title that was stripped from Josh Taylor. And this will be the second chance Regis Progre gets to fight for the title. He fought Josh Taylor three years ago in the World Boxing Super Series tournament to unify belts. And it was, you know, one of the fights of the year, one of the best fights of this era, to be really fair. And just a 12-round war that felt like an old-school classic He's back, but he wasn't even supposed to be here. This was supposed to be Jose Ramirez, the former champion at 140, unified, who lost to Josh Taylor in that big summit. He was supposed to rematch Jose Cepeda. Ramirez decided instead he was going to get married. Regis Progre was the perfect substitution for this because this fight's going to be fire. Absolutely. Jose Cepeda a couple years ago inside Ivan Branchik was in one of the craziest, best, most violent, most ridiculous fights we've ever seen. I was there when he fought Jose Ramirez for the belt the first time, and I thought he beat him. Close fight in Fresno, California. These two are back, and with their styles, Regis Progre is not getting any older, uh, younger. We love him, but he's going to be too old too soon. Uh, you know, his career has just not gone the way you thought it would be in terms of who he signed with and the opportunities he's got. But he's got this opportunity. The only potential problem distribution-wise is the purse bid was won by Marv Nation. And some other promoter you never heard of. And, you know, some people say, is this just Kinahan, you know, in Probellum doing a secret job here? I don't know. I don't know who's paying for this, but I don't think anybody's going to buy it. And I like this fight a lot, a real lot. I don't even know if our show's live anymore, Luca. Can you even hear me anymore? I can hear you just fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, what All about right. the Dillian White, Jermaine Franklin card on DAZN? Do you like that? It's okay. 
It's okay. So that's a uh, DAZN fight in London. It's It could be the who's coming or going in the crossroads fight of this heavyweight division. We know who Dillian White was and, you know, can he one day get that AJ rematch, which is his, like, probably last big money fight available. Fought Tyson Fury, got knocked the hell out in front of a giant crowd. I tend to think White's going in the wrong direction here. Jermaine Franklin, though, is somewhat interesting from, I think, Detroit. He's 21-0 with 14 KOs. And hasn't beaten anybody close to Dillian White's level. He, you know, he beat Jerry Forrest by split decision. That's the level he was at. He's good. Is he great? I don't know. He beats Dillian White, though. This is a, you know, this is a good, this is a good announcement in terms of the direction he's headed and whether he's a title player. Will you get action? Yeah, you'll probably get action, Luke. It's probably a good fight. So there you go. That's what you got. And then and, uh, last but not least, in London, also also in London, same day on ESPN Plus, Zach Parker taking on John Ryder. Should we care? Oh, you, you can't see me right now, Luke. I can't I can see you. I can oh, see you. I can't see anybody in my stream right now. You're just right, doing you're doing the you're doing the karate chop. Should we care about Zach Parker versus John Ryder? No, I'm doing the karate chop, which you're uh, thinking, oh, you're being racist again. No, I'm telling you sometimes I'm just not interested. I'm not interested in this fight. Okay? All right. There you very go. Good. Luke. Uh all right. As a reminder, everyone, we're getting closer to the end of the month, and you know what that means. It's almost time to select the first ever Money Lion Hammer of the Month. For those of you who have missed it. A few weeks back, we decided we're going to start spotlighting undercard fighters who aren't getting the recognition they deserve. So our new sponsor, Money Lion, agreed. We came up with the Hammer of the Month, which invites you guys, the viewers, to nominate which undercard fighter simply blew your mind and deserve to be rewarded for it. Go to moneylion.com slash morningcombat to learn more and how to enter, BC. Yeah, Luke, I can't see the feed right now in our... And our yeah, setup. so here's what we're up against. Now we're supposed to do fan subs, but we actually, BC and I, cannot see the return feed. So we actually cannot see the screen at the present moment. So we have a couple of options, BC. One, we can just say fuck it and punt, which I don't want to do. Yeah. Or two, actually, I guess three options. Two, we can wait for them to come oh, back Oh, they're up working on it. We got the yeah, hold on one minute from the great Gaffney Jim Pierre over there. Right? BC, my while we're waiting for them to fix it, very quickly, what is your Thanksgiving Day plans? Now, your parents live... In Florida, you obviously live True. in Connecticut. Are you all getting together? How's this going to work? Uh, I'm on my on my father's side. We go to Uncle Tony's house in Naugatuck, Connecticut. Shout out to Uncle Tony Campbell, a pillar of that community, Luke. Um, and you know, it's going to be the 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 closest approximation to what Thanksgiving was like growing up for me, going to my my grandmother's, my Mima, and you know, we're going to have the meat pie. We're going to probably be upset that Naugatuck lost to Ansonia. Hopefully not this year, though, Luke, because we're coming on and. Then we're going to play the backyard bowl, and it's going to be intense. And I'm going to be, as always, always willing to put relationships on the line during games like that, Luke, because that's the family way. That's how we roll. So um, that's what I'll do. And, you know, video game tournaments, a lot of chocolate cream pie. It's it's the best holiday because I get to hang out with the best people uh, and some of my favorite family members. And, you know, you're doing the three Fs, okay? And you can add the fourth F this this year with football, which is four World Cup games going up against three NFL games going up against cousin yeah. video game tournaments, backyard football. This is what Thanksgiving is all about. Dude, when my you're from family the Valley. hates sports. Right. I'm going to have to fight them to put anything on every so time. Describe like where you're going to be, who's going to be there, and what the setting will be. So uh, Uncle Pipe is in Colombia. He is down there seeing um, his family. Do you think so, to interrupt you to say? Do you think he does more damage south of the in South America or in South Florida? 
No, he definitely does way more damage than South America. I mean, okay. just way more. Okay. Like, not even, not even a contest. <laughs> yeah. He mostly, yeah. he mostly does like business in Miami in terms of like, like genuinely doing work. He doesn't. It's not. It's not really a place for play down there. But in South America, fuck, get out of town, bro. It's. I mean, just shooting fish in a barrel down there, BC. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Um. So he's out, but it'll be me, my wife, my daughter Violetta. Then it'll be my mother-in-law, who's wonderful as well, and Abuela. Abuela. Yeah, Abuela's going to be there, and my wife's cousin is going to be here. She's from Colombia as well. She's fluent in English, so it'll be great. So it's all five of us heading down to Fredericksburg, Virginia. Whoa! And my brother, we're going to go to his house. His wife is pregnant. I'm going to be an uncle in January. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, and but more my- important, Tuki's going to be a cousin, Luke. That's right. Tuki's going to have a cousin. Tuki's going to have a cousin. So, um. And then my dad will be there. My dad turned 82 yesterday. We had a nice call with him. And uh, my sister will be there as well. I believe that is it. There may be another guest or two who comes around, but not on our, my side per se. Would you? Is it fair for me to say this, or just ignorant and rude, that Tuki actually may have a lot of cousins in South America she doesn't know because of <laughs> Uncle Uncle Pepe? That, you know, you know oh, that, that joke killed the feed. All right, that's great, Luke. We were almost back. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question. It's very hard for me to answer that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, as my family apparently turns on uh, lawnmowers just outside my door, which is oh yeah, that's you the, know explicitly tell them not way. to do. Could they? Could they? I wonder if they could be louder. You know what I'm saying? Just be louder. No, I hope you but, guys have a great time, and I love that the, that you know you're mixing people from both sides of the family. Um, and you know, will 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 Luquito get um, everything you're looking for menu wise, food wise? You're gonna get it all. Yeah, right? I mean, here's the thing on Thanksgiving, dude. I. I just, I said, I think I said this on my live chat yesterday. I just can't complain, BC. Yeah. Again, my my brother and my sister had a restaurant for over 10 years. It did well. They just hated the business. So they sold all their shit in March of 2020 before the pandemic really, you know, got into high gear and uh, they don't regret it. But the reality is they can both cook their ass off. And um, that's amazing. That's great. so every time that, and by the way, my brother's sister, sorry, what am I saying? My brother's wife is an amazing pastry chef right oh so oh, dude like on e- yeah exactly so on the savory or the sweet end i don't have to do much or complain about much that's that's the reality will you vape in their house like an absolute oh, POS? 10 billion percent i might vape in their fucking face much less in their house i mean what do you dude, <laughs> you'll vape right the in the corn, back bro. of the turkey will you blow it right into the turkey luke that's what i want you to get you see, what are they gonna do not like me <laughs> <laughs> They've spent 42 years not liking you. Uh, Luke, I mean, this has been a time-honored tradition. Yeah. Uh, All right, yeah. I got two important questions. One involves you talking your brother into doing an MK Zoom interview with me about like your life growing up and all that, or coming on Room Service Diaries if he's willing. And two would be, will they ask you at all about morning combat and like, did you guys win that award? Or, hey, I saw that documentary. Will there be any of that? No, there won't be one question about it. None. Zero. Oh, they come don't, I, don't on. Think they, I don't think they even know the name of the show. Okay, what about if Abuela, who's trying to just make sure everybody gets along, in front of them was like, Luquito, did you tell them about the awards and all that? Uh, I mean, they that might... is possible. That oh. is possible. That something like that could definitely happen. But okay. short of that, no, there won't be there won't be like when I it sounds like I'm doing a bit because I always do like exaggerated talk or whatever, but I'm I'm telling you the truth, there won't be one. There won't be one question. Now hold on. We got to get to business here because they're trying to set it up so we can see the return feed and we're having a bit of an issue. Here's another solution. If they want, because I know what the folks can see looks good, what we can't see, what you're seeing, 
They could just email us all of the. Uh, now, I can, now they're back. Let's see no, how this back. goes. We're back. All right, let's, let's do see it. If it. Holds BC. Yeah, morningcombat at gmail.com every week. Yeah, let's for get your, to it. Let's get for to it. For your fan submissions. Fan You've subs. Fan mail. subs, whores. Viewers. We've got mail. Let's see if it holds. Viewers. Okay, this from Michael. Fellow donks, it's Mike K from Danbury, Connecticut again. And on last Monday's show, BC asked Aaron Bronstetter what he thinks about the rise of Teixeira MMA. And AB so accurately stated the fighters there can focus entirely on training. There can't be too many distractions in Danbury CT. He's not wrong. So here I am out of state visiting Charleston, South Carolina with my fiance. And I couldn't help but think of you guys when we sat down for dinner at the Mexican Japanese fusion restaurant. And there on the wall was an original print of the Mayweather McGregor poster. There's a lot going on in this picture. Can we blow this up? All right, Luke. First of all, there's this is a Mexican Japanese fusion. What kind of uh, is that? Is that unheard of? No, it's not. They can. I've I've seen a few of these before. It's they've got edamame and sushi and then tacos. But you'd be surprised. They they work together pretty well. Also, Michael's doing very well. Also, I don't see the McGregor Mayweather uh, picture there in the far right corner. Or sorry, no, sorry, like, uh, in the corner of the room. But like, there's there's literally arrows around. Oh, it. there's literally the put. That's the one over my head, Luke. This one. Oh, okay, I see it now. I see that art. Okay, there it is. There it is. It's a great poster, Luke. I'll tell you that. He closes by saying, shout out to the best damn combat sports podcast around. Luke, you might not feel like MK has hit its groove yet with the RSDs, but I think I speak for the Donk Nation when I say the content outside the regularly scheduled programming has been excellent. From shining a light on important figures, entertaining in the industry like Lorisenko and Fabiano Bousquet, to having real talk with fighters like Sean Brady and Mighty Mouse. No one does it like MK. Stay washed. Never stop vaping and keep putting out that divorced dad energy. <laughs> thank you, Michael. You get us. Yeah, thank you. But we plan on staying married. Thank you very much. All right. Yes, exactly. Unless our wives start watching the show. Let's go over to Steve B. Please disregard my turkey neck and childbearing hips. But your boy Steve B is out here repping MK and the Donk Army at Bellator 288 in Chicago. Holler if you hear me. Yes. Right? Yes. This is the last face you see before you get stuffed in the trunk of a car. <laughs> is, that, is that our Halloween merch? I don't think I've ever seen that shirt before. Have you? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. All right. Uh, Steve B has, you know, he's, he's, he has, uh, I mean, he may, you know, he may have at least been accused of a felony at one point, right? Maybe not convicted, but. Yeah. Yeah. He's de this dude has definitely gotten away with crimes. I mean, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we appreciate you, though, Steve B. Thank you very much. Let's go to at McLean Training. And here's a meme. They got a meme, Luke. We got memes. Uh -oh. oh, God. Pay pay attention to BC and respond accordingly. Ignore everything he says and bring up the same point. And, dude, once again, once again, the vaping has been an absolute gift to the show so that you guys could roast the ever-living fuck out of me like a Thanksgiving turkey. Yes. All right. Yes, John funny. also has a meme. I don't know where this guy's from or John who, but dear John, he's got a meme. Let's see it. Pay attention to BC or draw. <laughs> there it is. I'm sorry, uh, guys. He's just hard to listen to. It really is. Uh, we have a Michael sliding in. He says, BC may be the clown prince of CT, but Luke is the emperor of DC. Dub T. Let's see how well BC knows his partner in old washed white crime. Name that Luke. All right. This is a game, right? 
Yeah. Wow. Um, Luke, can Na- we try to match that Luke? Can we match them with the pictures here? Number one is viewing Valerie Loretta's Instagram. Yep, yep. yep. Two, after hitting the new BBL flavored vape pen. Yep. yep. Three, after a li- after a fistful of Delta 8 gummies. Wow, wow. Four, after the gummies, a 40 ounce of malt liquor and mistakenly believing he is on his commode. <laughs> Fair. Or five, future Luke watching BC get sent to the land of wind and ghosts during a you want a champion or room service diaries which Luke is it in that picture I gotta go with uh boy that's pro- definitely number one let's I'm gonna go with three that. after finishing a full what does that say a yeah full that one work? actually you know what the, the reality is a few of these work a few of Be- these work because can we full screen that one more time please what does that say a full uh a fistful of Delta. Because, look, there has been once or twice in our show's history when we were about to film something <laughs> and you looked over at me and we made eye contact and I was like, oh, no, he's 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 way too far gone. Like, I've seen that yeah, face before. This has happened know? before, but I got to you need to tell the truth to the audience. This is way more an issue with you than it is with me. No, no, no. I can't. I cannot confirm that, Luke. But I, I have. Mean, seen I definitely that have thing. had times where I'm like, dude, why am I sweating yeah. and uh, <laughs> shitting my my pants? I don't understand. But uh, more commonly, I just see you staring off into the distance. You know, th- and all I can see in your head is Lisa needs braces. Dental yeah. plan. <laughs> Let's go over to Tyler. He says, "What's up, Luke and BC and the whole MK crew? Had a blast catching 288 Bellator with my beautiful girlfriend here in our hometown of Chicago. Had some awesome seats, and it was cool to see legends like Javier Mendez and Fedor in the corner as their fighters got the win. Here's a pic of me rocking the OG MK shirt, and like BC at 10 a.m. Eastern, I also had a large amount of THC." in my system um i am also in the process of converting my girlfriend into a full-time mk fan but i've only had luck so far with her cat suki who's in the video that we're going to play in a second at least the cat hasn't questioned why i'm watching two wash dads discuss predatory loans and grooming their disgusting genitalia keep up the great work it's tyler uh luke first of all can we zoom in what's your thoughts on his beard right there can we go back one second I mean, I can't really talk shit. Mine's uncamped, but his is terrible. I mean, he just, <laughs> just uh, he, you know, tr- trim it up, my guy. He seems to have very good taste in women, so hopefully his beautiful wife can be, her girlfriend, I'm sorry, can one day not only become his wife, but can become an MK donk, because we do welcome female viewers. We just don't have many of them. That's yeah, just we don't have a fair. whole lot, but we do welcome uh, them. So his cat, his, his girlfriend's cat is named Suki. Let's play this video. Let's see what we got here. Luke, I don't know if play that video. Did we really just do that? I don't know if there was supposed to be audio with that and we just didn't hear it, but he looked as interested in MK as everyone at this Thanksgiving table you're going to see tomorrow, Luke. I mean, seriously, right? Facts. Facts. All right, there you go. Thank you, Tyler, for uh, taking us with you on your life's journey. We're MK. We're here to stay every single day. Uh, JP, you know him from Mount Unike, Nova Scotia. Uh, Good day, MK crew and fans. And Brian BDE Campbell's live chat has been announced. Let's go. Time for BC to get paid. Love you guys. Keep up the amazing award-winning show. Super fan for life. It's Jay Paquette. Luke, this is uh, the logo he wants me to use for my soon-to-debut, maybe next week, BDE chat. Yeah, but you got to change the shirt. The shirt sucks. 
All right. There you go. Thank you, Jay Paquette, for your service, as always. Uh, I do wonder if that guy has a, a social life outside of us, Luke, but I'm, I'm welcome. He, he's welcome anytime in our, fa- our weird family, all right? Okay. He lives on the lake. It looks beautiful. If we do MK in your house, we're going to JP's house. Uh, Danger Mouse, remember him? He, he believes he's up for this award. He says, hi, BC. I'm back with my usual trio of torments to amuse and abuse you. I've got two classic memes and some art, all from recent interviews. Let's start by calling out your hypocrisy when it comes to physical content. I mean, not that I blame you. Who wouldn't rather hug Laura than the hairy watermelon vape smelling ape besides you? But if I see it, I'm calling you out, BC. I mean, is this really a, a conversation piece here? You know what? It is true. You don't like to touch me. NBC, I need your touch. <laughs> I mean, you do make it weird very quickly. I just right off the start. Okay. So yeah, you know, not like, not like, uh, uh, Gareth A. Davis weird. Like that guy's put his hands down my pants and I'm like, I don't know what that transaction. Well, was yeah, about. I'm not committing sex crimes, but okay. You know. Okay. Warlock. I don't know where that was headed. Okay. But, uh, I mean, this is a transaction in that meme that everyone understands, right? Yeah, it means you're, you know, <laughs> ring ring the bell for the, you know, for the horny alarm. It's no, it's, that's it's not off and running. I mean, she's going to smell a lot better than hugging you that close. Luke, hugging you will be like in Fight Club when they had hug meatloaf. Oh, you've never seen that, have you? Yeah. I've never seen that. I mean, I've wow. seen, I know what you're talking about. He had, you know, he was just a giant, gross, fat piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, he had, but, he uh, had B-tits, Luke. Uh, but all right, let's go over to, uh, um, and not B-cup, but uh, you get my point. And Danger Mouse says, uh, what is this? The hell is this? He says, finally, one from the Izzy interview and his idea what the show was called. Oh, and if you want to know why you're short and Luke is tall, I used a Fantasy Island photo just because I thought it was funny. So, Luke, remember when uh, Izzy called us Combat Corner? Oh, yes. Um, that's Danger Mouse's... Uh, I don't know if the I fully top get is, the The joke. top is cut off. I can't quite see the top. Yeah, can we blow that thing out? Is there more to show? No, looks like we can't um, all right. for some reason. All right. Uh, all right, well, that eat a bag of dicks gummies is nice and fun. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There is a mar- margarita. Or, uh, yeah, okay. By the, way, by the way, look at the live boxing screen next to me. It's Godzilla versus Butterbean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were doing a dissected on that. That's great. Uh, Jay Paquette's back from Mount Uniac. Good day. Uh, Top Gun combat with Luke and BC. Let's go. Love you guys. Keep up the amazing award-winning show. What's this Top Gun combat? Vaping once again, dude. I'm telling you, what a <laughs> gift! What a gift! I do have to like. I do. I gotta say, I like the logo. The logo looks sharp. Yeah, I, I would. I would consider. Imagine if you just blown up the MK in that with those wings next to it. I like that a lot. Hey, somebody oh. get. Imagine if JP and RJ just start working together on designs all the time. You know, it'd be great. Maybe you should imagine unleash if, JP. Imagine and, if we got a cut of the merch, man. Yeah, we should. We should renegotiate that for 2023. What do you think, Luke? I think it's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have finally, Alan W has three of them. In episode 375, Luke was quite vexed and lugubrious from my fan submission where BC was portrayed as the oh, Heath God, Ledger this Joker. Is, this, is, this, is a, this is a problem. And he felt his portrayal in the art piece as a negative. To make amends, here's the Redux version of MK and the Batman universe. Um, what does it say over my forehead? Damaged? Ah. Uh. Yeah, that's fair. I don't like BC. This I gotta say, all. you're still not hot. Yeah, I don't. I don't like anything to anything to do with this at all. Um, 
All right, Loop Vape God, Vape God Thomas, you've been a good sport. Not really, but here is a Dia de los Mortos inspired logo that I made from you, for you, you old wash bastard. I love it. It's a little similar to the Terminator one we already have. Yeah. But uh, it is cool, and I do like it. I like it a lot. I feel like we say Alan W's name a lot on the show, but I don't know anything about him. But Jan Jan I should Google. Jan, definitely a Jan Sixer. Uh, he also says this is an homage to Luke's propensity to constantly suck on that robo phallus to get his I didn't. I didn't have it one time today. Of nicotine while conducting morning combat. One of the lost paintings from Belgian surrealist René Magritte. Le fil de vapoteur. Translated, <laughs> the son of vape. <laughs> now, if we could... If we could put that that art piece in a frame on our MK set in Jersey City, yeah, I gotta City, I'd tell be you that, that one is actually one of the better ones I've seen. Yeah, that one's awesome. So uh, I don't know who needs to hear this on our MK staff, but uh, if that poster can be up when we go back next week, that'd be dude. That'd be fantastic. Find any like find any piece of like incredible artwork, like the Sistine Chapel, where you know God is reaching out, and instead of he's instead of reaching out to touch, he's just handing over a vape. You know, tip to tip on the yeah, there you yeah, go. or whatever, and then we could just make shirts off of all of that. We could really, we could, we could kill. Morningcombat at gmail dot com is your home for this. The dead wrongs on Friday, and you know, you could just email Mikey and just talk to him. Probably Mikey Mormile there at CBS Sports. He's a great guy. He's you know, he's a protector of the brand. I'm talking. Uh, he is. I want to remind everyone we are going to be off for Friday, but the content does not stop. We're going to have a Friday mailbag edition for you. So I just want to say something about Thanksgiving real quickly. I say this every year. We said it on, I think, Monday. I'm going to say it one more time. Please, folks, I know everyone's going to be traveling. I know everyone's going to be a lot of stress, a lot of family time, a lot of good times, but a lot of, you know, um, a lot of moving around. Please don't drink and drive. There is no need. Put the Uber app on your phone. Put the Lyft app on your phone. Do whatever you got to do ahead of time to get yourself in and out of these places you're going to go to without any incident. Don't drink and drive. Just Just do your best. It's just Just not not worth worth it. it. And we have too many reasons and resources for it not to happen. So uh, thank you very much. Um, Luke, you know who I'm interviewing in a couple hours? Who? Tyson Fury. Oh, for real? Yeah, let's see what happens. See what happens all right. right. Are you going to do to uh, is he going to do to you what he did to True Jordy? Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. 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 If, you, if you don't ask him tough questions like that, you're a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am. We'll see what happens. It's my big rematch from he when he hung up on me last time when I asked about his dad removing that guy's eyeball that time. Look, I mean, I think it's a fair question, right? It is a fair question. Uh, reminder, as always, Showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you'd like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Reminder, Black Friday, any day, but certainly on Black Friday, morningcombat.store for all of your merch needs. Please give us a look there if you're in the market. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, those bomber jackets are legit. Go have a gander at one of those. Black Friday is going to be a good opportunity for you, plus mugs, hats, and everything else in between. BC, any final thoughts before we're out for the week? Uh, please check out our recent room service diaries with Laura Senko, Anthony Smith. I've got a very cool interview with Rainier de Ritter, who's going to be uh, headlining the December 2nd one on Amazon return, uh, the two-division champion. Luke, he said he can beat Adesanya and Poetan on the same night. Um, okay. That's a little much, but he All is right. very, 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 very good. Now he's cool. He's a cool interview too. I like his uh, demeanor as well. So uh, yeah, um, you know that's some extra bonus content. Friday, eleven a.m. Eastern, in place of our normal normal episode, we filmed a fun mailbag. I think you're going to enjoy that a lot. Ninety minutes of good times. Whether you're setting up the Christmas tree this weekend, catching up with old friends, um, 
you know, watching the, the sports with the family and unbuttoning that top button. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy it. Focus on what you have in the moment and enjoy it. Look, I don't know how to live in the present. I don't, and I'll I say don't, this, because I've been this that. guy, too. I remember the first year I moved to New York City, I didn't have enough money to go home for Thanksgiving, so I had to spend it by myself. So for all the folks out there who can't travel, who have to work, or who have to stay home or whatever, we hear you, I see you, I've been there. I've been the guy who ordered Taco Bell on Thanksgiving. And I got to tell you, sad. ain't nothing wrong with that either, man. That's that's doing it up right in, in your own way, too. So um, a shouts to all those good folks just the same. Yeah, and thank you to our great, for, for Thanksgiving, we got a great staff and team across multiple companies, CBS Sports, Showtime, Malka, Gaff Pierre on the ones and twos today. We thank you all very much for being you, okay? What a show. What a time to be alive. Count your blessings. Hug your awards, as we often do, shirtless. Thank you. <laughs> all right. For Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas, as well as CBS Sports Showtime and the Malka staff. We appreciate you all so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Don't drink and drive. And until next time, may all your gains be loyal.